Hello listeners, it's Adrian here from Market Attack, and on today's show, we've got the legend himself, Michael Latham. The Sega Supremo shares some great stories about the iconic company, the highs and lows, working with Eternal Champions, and lots more in between. So sit back and enjoy a great chat with a true retro gaming legend. Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Hello listeners, welcome back to the latest Arcade Attack podcast. I've got a really special guest with us today. We've got Michael Latham here. Hey dear Michael. Doing excellent. Yourself? I'm not too bad at all. No, honestly, it really is an honour. And um, in case people don't know, you are, you know, you've had a huge role working at one of our favourite companies, Sega, and you've got some amazing stories to tell, I'm sure. Uh, you've been a producer, executive producer. I think I've got a group director here of the Omega Group, uh, Sega Soft. I mean, you were one of the real heartbeats of that company during probably its most important time of its career. So uh, I'm so looking forward to, to hearing yeah what it was like working at such an iconic company sure excellent um yeah no uh i was there for uh, some total through all the variations about nine years almost made it a decade that's incredible before we talk about sega though because i know that that'd be the bulk of our interview i'm sure but how did you first get the opportunity to enter the video game industry and what was the first ever game you worked on Okay, so um, I, I was going to joke that, you know, one of my first preschool toys was a little computer with the two wheels that, like, you see in the 70s. Um, <laughs> I was predestined to be a computer person, but I grew up, um, just so you know, I was, uh, you know, at high school age in the 80s, uh, what you would refer to as the war games generation. Mm. Um, we, we came up... Um, uh, through an interesting cycle, technology was moving, started really slow and went really fast. So um, I, I can kind of talk about four important things were very quickly uh, owned and in television. That was very impactful. Um, that was not really probably seen in the UK, but um, was a really important thing here because it allowed third party titles outside of uh, um the control of what would be, you know, the normal Atari flow. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in the coin-op era, so I went to the arcade, just like in the old movies, you'd see all the kids in the arcades. Um, that was, I was dead center of that. Um, I used to go and uh, win tokens because I would master games like uh, Star Castle and Bump and Jump and stuff like that. Um, the other uh, thing that, uh, well, two other things. Um, then... Uh, I walk into a store, uh, it's a computer store, and uh, in those days, they were, they were mom and pops, you, you know, there was no centralized, and they were selling a PC Junior, um, not a great machine, but running on it was King's Quest, um, and that just blew my mind. I had not, not seen smooth animation, and um, the fact that it was like, in a sense, an open world, um, it, it just blew my mind. And funny enough, I would almost work for Sierra. I had a job offer from them, mm. but um, I, uh, uh, I couldn't move at that time. And then the last thing was um, I was in the era of the retail software store. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to remember when 
my time in the UK, but here there was a specific time and place where like bookstores developed um, their own brand of computer um, software and book areas. So I worked for Software Etc., a place called Egghead Software. Um, and so that really allowed me to have access to all these titles. We could open them, we could play them, I could take books out. Um, and that was really important because at the time, uh, for various reasons, I wasn't able to go to college. So I was having to sort of self-teach, self-educate um, myself. And I had access to, you know, hundreds and thousands of these books all about all these programming languages and stuff. Um, so, yeah, so um, all that builds into um, me using, believe it or not, that retail store to make a key contact. In those days, um, they had to send representatives to the store to essentially get you to, um, you know, be part of um, an evangelist for, for their product. So uh, this person walks in and uh, most of the people that would come in were business software, you know, very boring stuff. But once in a while, we get some game people in there. Um, and uh, the person that walked in was the going to be the head of the U.S. version of Rainbird Software. Mm. And um, Rainbird Software, of course, British telecom, telecom owned at the time, uh, had two other brands, Firebird, Silverbird, mm. uh, huge spectrum you know, uh, in the old days, even had, uh, when I got there, had cassette games. Um, and uh, so I joined them on the U.S. team, and that was my first job. So I was on the U.S. side, and uh, my job was um, essentially, at first, was um, just to um, create demo discs, uh, you know, uh, for the products so that we could hand them out. And by the way, our offices were right in the subsection of the Activision uh, offices. <laughs> so so I start there and uh, I move up. Uh, I get um, uh, kind of promoted uh, and I start to work with the development team uh, on the UK side. So I spend a lot of time in uh, central London, and uh, I get to work on stuff like Star Glider 2, Carrier Command, Weird Dreams, Stunt Car Racer. Um, I get to mm. do stuff like Universal Military Simulator in the U.S., <clears throat> and uh, it uh, it's all going swimmingly, um, except for British Telecom then decides there's no future in gaming uh, using, uh, yeah. using the... Uh, they're connected, uh, you know, to connect via phones initially and then the Internet. And nice. so, they, yeah, and so they, they shut it down and uh, and uh, I'm I'm sort of stunned because, you know, at the time I'm I'm thinking, well, British Telecom, you know, mm. this is we got the largest company behind us of any software. This is not going anywhere. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that 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 then leads me over to Activision. Did you enjoy living? Were you living in the UK for a bit then? Is that right? Yeah, for a bit. Yeah, for mm. a bit. They they put me up the first stretch for 30, 60 days at mm. a time, um, sometimes, 
uh, even a bit longer. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, as much as the visa would hold. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I mean, it, I love London. In fact, when I, I took time off, um, I'll explain that a little later, but I took time to travel. And so I spent an enormous amount of time popping in and out of London. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, we, we're we mainly based in Croydon. I don't know if you've ever been to Croydon, Michael. It's oh, yeah. just outside of London. Well, it's, it's out of London, really. Um, I do want to move on to Activision, but you just mentioned a game. I know you mentioned a lot of big games there, but Weird Dreams. Bit of a, we've done a podcast on that game, and I, I'm a massive fan. I know it's... Um, it's quite un. It's a bit of a cult title. Do you have much? It is. It, it yeah. is a total cult title. No, we didn't. We. I, I mean, we definitely got to work with them. I did not get to participate. That one was. I mean, they had a clear vision of of what they were doing, um, and were quite, you know, happy to uh, uh, be left alone. <laughs> and uh, so we did. We let them because that was such an unusual one. And there was also, I, I don't know if you remember, there was Corruption and Fish as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah, good good times. But how did it... Yeah, how, it, it, that, yeah. that was, a, yeah, the U.S. market for that one, boy, that was a hard sell, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's very a very British sort of, yeah. Exactly. It was, it, it was and, and I did I did try and work with them on, on, you know, if we could Americanize the product, quote unquote. And... Uh, it, it just didn't make sense when we thought about it because it, it was almost going to have to be a, it was a very specific sensibility. Yeah. It had kind of like Monty Python kind of look and feel, didn't it? So you're right. It had to kind of keep that British. Look. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of weird dreams, by the way. I think it's not perfect, a bit yeah. clunky with the controls, but it's something quite interesting about it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I mean, I, like you said, I, it has a cult following and, and when I mention it to people once in a while, I'll definitely find a rare U.S. person who got it and loved it. And uh, yeah. Brilliant. Oh, let, let's talk about Activision then. How did that opportunity come about? Was that that wasn't UK, was it? Was that back in the U.S.? I, I take That's it. back in the U.S. So so I'm in the offices there and um, we're not really allowed or supposed to be able to. So we have a sealed door and we're uh, behind the break room uh, so they said okay you can use the break room but um oh and we had to use their bathrooms we didn't have a bathroom facility but we weren't supposed to go wandering around and what happened is is you know at, with time i would pop out and there was a power drift machine there mm. which later i would find out why there was a power drift machine there i just thought it was you know a, a cool company and they got to have uh, cool stuff so i would sneak out when no one was around and play the power drift machine and people would amble in and you know wonder who those weird people were behind the door <laughs> and uh so um i got to know everybody eventually and eventually they said you know you're okay you can kind of amble around and we don't mind if you want to hang out you know especially i would work real late um, and some of the team there would be working late. And so they'd be like, yeah, come on over. And, you know, so I got to know everybody. And when um, British Telecom essentially said goodbye and just left us, you know, holding boxes of our stuff, um, uh, Sherry Whiteley, who was the head of product development, said, you know, um, you're, I, we've been observing you and had a lot of interest, but we felt uncomfortable, you know, poaching you um because you you know the renting space it just didn't seem right 
they said, would you be interested in coming over, be a associate producer? And, uh, you know, we view your specialty as kind of firefighting because at that time I, you know, I was, I could code. So um, I, I was unique among some of the producers there. Most of them were not from a technical background. Mm. Most of them didn't know how to make music assets or art assets or how to do any of that stuff. Um, so that's exactly what I did. I came over and they put me on a bunch of projects that were on fire. Um, I had stuff like uh, a wrestling game called Takedown, um, which is not very memorable, but um, I shipped it, got it out. Um, it was just one of these projects that no one could get to finish, get, get it bug free. Um, I was on a product called F14 Tomcat. Um, which mm. was a Dynamics product, um, again, was kind of problematic. Um, one of the things I developed for Takedown was I started to work on a Omni Music driver um, with one of this really smart programmers there, and we developed digital speech that could even work on a, a PC with just a, a normal PC speaker, so that's a one-bit uh, digital audio. Um, and uh, then, uh, let's see, I... I eventually uh, then went on to work on Power Drift. Mm. Um, it was one of those projects again on fire. But the interesting thing about Power Drift was I, I went, uh, flew to Diamond Bar, California, and I, I, I find out the people are in a house. They're not in an office. And uh, door opens, and there's Rod Nakamoto, who's going to be the, the future guy I work with to do Eternal Champions. And he has two guys working in there, and uh, those are two of the programmers, and uh, his wife, who's doing the art for Power Drift. And uh, I get Power Drift with, uh, you know, we get it shipped, and we love working with each other because they love that I'm technical, and I could come up with ideas and workarounds, and, uh, and, and also we just liked each other. It just was a matter of chemistry. And so we got that uh, shipped out, and that kind of created how I got on Sega's radar as well. Mm. Yeah, because you uh, worked on the ports of Power Drift, is that right? Uh, yes, Michael? I worked on I worked on the PC Commodore version. I'm trying to think if there was another. Um, yeah, so I worked on the ports, so they had to be aware and 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 and, and had to kind of give their blessing, um, and. Uh, and, and so the two things I would say of note at Activision that are kind of the important part um, is that I do, uh, you know, David Crane was a big hero. Um, yeah. Uh, and so I know you guys definitely talked to him. Uh, did an oh, interview. he's an, yeah, an amazing. Well, he's a legend, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah. And, and, and it, you know, I've met a lot of people in the business. I've not met him. So I sort of viewed that, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I really respected what he did. And so um, the, I, the the funny part is, is kind of history repeats with me, which is um, uh, Activision needs, uh, is kind of struggling financially and they need uh, uh, a big kind of financial hit at the time. And it turned out that they had the Ghostbusters 2 license. And... Um, so uh, I, Sherry Whiteley comes in and tells me, well, um, we're going to need your help on Ghostbusters, too. Here's, here's the problem. Um, 
I, I guess they had uh, the designer and the producer kept putting off, kept putting off, saying it was coming along. And the game was just a disaster. And we had three months left to ship it. So I pretty much uh, was employed, moved in uh, to the developer for quite a while, um, worked with Dynamics uh, around the clock, literally like just crazy 18-hour days, and uh, did the design in one day with my friend uh, Tony Van, who I would work with all throughout this process, and, um, and we shipped it. And uh, we saved the company. It, 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 it was a, from um, the U.S. side. It was definitely a, a financial success. But the, the, the company was at this point kind of starting um, to have some serious problems because um, the leadership would, renamed it Mediagenic. Um, we had a looming lawsuit that would pretty much take us out. The famous Magnavox lawsuit that took a lot of people out. Um, so. Um, so the other thing I did there, which is the important one of note, is I did a game, worst title ever, worst box cover ever, um, but uh, it's called Tongue of the Fat Man. <laughs> I haven't heard of it, no. No, um, <laughs> it, 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 it's unfortunately Razorsoft did uh, a, a horrible version. If you've ever seen this Razorsoft fighting game where there's like these little blue guys and kind of like what looks like a cement background. <laughs> Um, anyway, I can't, I think it's Mondo's or Mondo's Fight Palace on what Razorsoft. Anyway, what Razorsoft got was uh, an alpha that I had created, um, uh, that they bought when the company, uh, went, uh, bankrupt. Um, mm. but the important thing about Tongue of the Fat Man is, is that I'm, I'm in, let's see, that put, puts me in. Uh, 1990, I think, is Tongue of the Fat Man, or maybe even 89. I think it's 89. So in 89, I create a fighting game. The only fighting game that's in the arcades is Street Fighter 1 with the giant um, buns. Yeah. 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 Which so, is not a brilliant game, ironically, is it? Even though it's amazing. You know, the second oh, one's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So... So when later I get uh, people saying, well, you know, Eternal Champions was just a complete ripoff of, uh, you know, Mortal and uh, Street Fighter was not. It was that I create this Tongue of the Fat Man. Um, it, it was originally supposed to be called Red Belt. Um, if you if you ever if you're anybody listening to this wants to uh, Google Google the uh, cover. <laughs> it, it's it's the artist uh, who's who's quite a portly large man with his uh, head upside down, marbles in his nose, um, so that it looks the marbles are the eyeballs of the cover. Wow. Yeah, it's I'm gonna it, to, people are gonna be googling it now, Michael. Furious. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, I, you, it, it it is constantly referenced as one of the the all-time worst titles, worst box covers ever. But the game itself, I was real proud of it because it had all these alien fighters. It had a betting system. It had an enhancement system. It had a weapon system. Um, and this is all on, you know, low-powered 386 PCs. Um, amazing, yeah. So I, I was pretty ahead of the curve. Um, but because of the company being in the financial condition, no one really knew about it. But I was working on um, a, a, 
we got uh, at Activision, we got two uh, uh, Genesis titles granted to us, you know, two slots. Um, one was the Joe, the ill-fated Joe Montana project, mm. um, which has a long and sordid history that everybody knows about. Um, and the other was uh, Tongue of the Fat Man, or I think we we're going to call it just Fight Palace or Mondo's Fight Palace. Um, so I was working on that. So the the team there uh, at Sega of America was aware that, you know, uh, one project was going badly, one project was going well, the one that I was managing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's, you know, essentially where it ends. I mean, I remember that uh, we went bankrupt and Bobby Kotick, uh, you know, did a hostile takeover of the company and they walked in and said, OK, we're moving all this to L.A. and you guys uh, pack your boxes and, uh, you know, away you go. I mean, you in that short space of time, you've been sort of, yeah, I don't want to sound rude, Michael, but you haven't had too much luck with British Telecom and Activision all going, you know, basically on fire. Well, it, 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 been, it, it was yeah. it was it was transitional because mm. um, what you have to understand is the big difference between when I walk into Sega and when I walk into Activision. So I walk into Activision, the company's really based on doing softwares for PCs, yeah. Commodores, dabbling in business software. But then they're trying to make this pivot to the uh, uh, the Super Nintendo. Mm. Which, by the way, at this point, I'm running the music group and I'm also <laughs> running the tools and technology group inside yeah. and uh, as well as running the products. And so I'm actually going to Japan because we had a, what they call a Sony News Workstation. Um, and that's what SNES development. This was a monster just, you know, development thing that was built um, and it would never work. And I finally got it to work. Um, and and so uh, I remember the first time I saw the you know Super Nintendo graphics fire up and mode yeah. set and all that you know the, and this was way ahead before they had even demonstrated it and 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 so we were trying to pivot and 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 there were a lot of people who were trying to pivot and very few were successful that were of that mix so you know once I got to Sega. The, of course, the whole thing is focused. And, and from that point, the two markets, you know, the, the sort of PC gamer market then goes on to develop, you know, really because of Doom um, and, mm. and, and the multiplayer market in which, you know, later I'll, I'll sort of revisit in my Sega career. Mm. And then, of course, I, we go to the, you know, Sega market. Thankfully, I get to stick around now for nine years. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but this is always what happens um, in the video game industry. And, and you, you know, you can mm. see the cycles, you know, uh, that, that sort of happen, you know, each and every time. And obviously you picked up, skills you develop your career there just getting the chance to work on a fighting game i've just like i've just googled <laughs> the picture for tongue yes. of the fat man it's 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 a combat it's it's a it's ridiculous <laughs> it is it's it's almost i don't even want to say about it, <laughs> it, it yeah it's, it's, it's worse stunning. than weird dreams if that was in weird dreams people don't know that's too weird <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean and and and, the, and, the, and it bummed me out because um you know underneath it um when you have time take a look at some screenshots, take a look at what I was doing there. 
um, so early. Like I said, you know, I, I, I had this whole system of, um, you know, in, you know, bio enhancements and weapons. And, and I, I even had a primitive combo system in there, um, all that stuff. Amazing. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, and just really quick on power drift, because obviously that ties in quite nicely to Sega as well. I mean, that was yeah. a, a, cl- a classy game. The the okay. 3D, it's not quite, it's not really 3D, is it, the way they've done no. it, but it, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Are you a fan of the game Full Stop? I'm sure oh, you full, are. Oh, full, full stop. I mean, uh, I, I was on that machine. I cannot tell you how much time I, I spent on that machine. <laughs> I, I just loved it. I adored it. Love it. And how about really quick before we're going to Sega, I've got to ask you about Ghostbusters too. Did you get to see the film before? Were you just given? Did you get a chance to meet anyone on the film set, or is it literally here's the script, get on with it, um, kind of thing? Yeah. So here, here's the fun part. So um, I did not get to see the film before because the project was already late to what mm-hmm. it should have been. Um, so it it came after. Um, so I I'd seen the film, but they sent me special assets. Um, so that I could digitally do the voices. Um, I, I I talked about that Omni Music Driver. Yeah, we yeah. had improved that, and by then early sound cards were coming, uh, like ad libs. I don't think the Sound Blaster had occurred, but you know PCs were starting to get sound cards, and yeah. uh, so um, I digitized their voices, um, and I worked with um, our music group, which I was you know again mm-hmm. running um, to do all the music with them, so that we could use as much music uh, from the uh, you know uh, from from the movie. Uh, so I did get to talk to the cast uh, because great. I. I needed to I needed to get their sign off. And that was tough because I had to kind of, you know, I'm trying to explain to them that, you know, and thank God I didn't have to demonstrate it on a one bit speaker. If they had heard it on that, um, uh, what that sounded like, I probably would have never got them to allow me to do it. But um, because I had a really high end at the time, AdLib Gold card, I think, um, I, I sort of got them to understand what was the limits of the technology and they let me keep it in. And I'm, I, you know, and I'm very proud. I mean, I, I won't say it's like, oh, wow, it's my favorite game design I've ever done. I mean, we did it in one night and I executed in three months, really. That's amazing. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, different times. I mean, you know, I think that some total of the, my team at Dynamics that I had access to was like six guys at that. Mm. Um, you know, it was much smaller days, much smaller um, games. But I, I, I am very proud that the visuals, the way that the visuals look, the way that the, the characters actually speak, you know, from the movie with the real voices. So, you know, it was an early, you know, one of the earliest things where you had a movie tie in and you had actual audio from, you know, the stars. Mm, that's great. I mean, <laughs> I so, mean, so I was yeah. all proud of that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you, where do you rate as a film compared to the first one? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it's funny. Um, it, I, I think the first one stands alone. It, yeah. it really did not need the second one. I think the fact that we lost Harold Ramis, um, yeah. I'm happy the second one exists because it's more Harold Ramis. Um, and there's parts of it that I like. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I think, I think we've seen as they've tried to put together the third one time and again, that without, 
Harold Ramis um, to sort of tether um, Aykroyd down, mm. Aykroyd tends to have this other feel to the comedy. And that's how I feel about Ghostbusters, uh, too. It, it just it feels much more Aykroyd driven than Ramis, the first one being Ramis driven. Yeah, no, I think that's a good good point, definitely. We well, well, Michael, you kind of hinted, but how exactly did you get the opportunity to join Sega? I mean, that that must, I mean, Activision's huge. Let's not let's not say it isn't, but Sega, man, <laughs> that must have been amazing. Well, um, at the time, not really when you think about it, because here, Sega is in South San Francisco next to Salami Company, um, uh, in a business park in a tiny, uh, a really tiny building, just crammed full of people. Um, uh, Sonic is not even there yet. Uh, Sonic shows up soon. I uh, I, I, I had um, worked with Scott Beerfield and he was over there and uh, from Activision um, who, you know, I would later, uh, he would leave and I would take over the EC project. Um, uh, but what happened was, is that I knew that there was a bunch of good guys there. And so I just sort of called, called them and said, you know, hey, I'm that guy that was here and sort of here's my skill set. And I'm kind of, you know, known for being a firefighter type of guy. And uh, I can write original designs. And, I, you know, I, I've written this, you know, uh, fighting game and uh, I worked on the Ghostbusters so I know how to deal with licensing people so it really kind of fit and uh, Clyde Grossman was the guy that you know interviewed me and he had this dinky little office uh, I, I think it was like a literally a broom closet um, the lawyer was uh, out in the garage um, where uh, they kept uh, the inventory uh, I mean this is how crazy small it was and pretty much the day or week I joined um tom kalinsky joined amazing so I, I i was there and i think cats had left but kalinsky had not arrived by like a week or two i was there because then i remember kalinsky appearing in his office and 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 again the place was so small and i was such a night person i would always stay in you know till crazy hours so I, I couldn't help but run into Tom in those early days. And so us both being new, you know, there'd be a certain amount of friendly interaction about mm. just being new um, to the company. Um, and um, we, you know, I think my original thing was I sat in like a little cubby open area. Um, there was just, you know, no offices. Um, uh, and I think. The senior guys, I think Ed had an office and Bearfield had an office. And the rest of us were sort of all sitting out, out in the central area. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Sega was so tiny. that I mean, it was the Genesis had la uh, was launched, but it, it, I think it was just that initial bump of titles like the Tommy Lasorda, that sort of stuff. Mm. And... Uh, you know, and it, they they it, it was uh, Aaron Senna, um, a lot of sports games uh, and uh, some Japanese sports. And the guys were all working on their various projects. Um, I think um, 
uh, Barefield's working on ToeJam and Earl at that point. And uh, I don't know if Ed's yet doing Echo. I don't think so. I don't think he's quite started Echo yet. Yep. But 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 the guys the guys are all working on just the beginning of what would be the Sega America launch as most people understood it. It must be an amazing. Well, seeing that company so small and it, it obviously grew very quickly very. <laughs> over the next few years. Um, so you were originally bought in as a producer. Is that right? Or yes, was was, was a, a mega involved in that? I mean, I'm a little bit confused by the different sort of roles you've had. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Omega comes a bit later. So hmm. what happens is I walk in um, about April 1991 hmm. is when I'm starting. And I'm uh, work with I'm working with Japan to sort of uh, get the launch titles. That's what you do normally, um, at least at Sega. When you first came in, you you had to pay the piper by doing ports mm. um, with Japan um, or uh, other. You know, maybe we bought a, a title from someone else. Um, I'm I'm helping launch the uh, Game Gear for the U.S. market. Um, I'm working, uh, at that point, um, I sort of get, you know, I'm part of the Genesis launch team as a producer. Uh, and then, uh, I'm also working, uh, uh let's see. Oh, and, and what, what I'm, what I'm kind of stuck doing is not only am I, you know, kind of having to do the ports, I am not getting to do anything original yet. Um, uh. I, I, I get pulled in by uh, Shinobu Toyota, who is working with our licensing group. And it turns out that they bought like, if you can imagine just someone putting a box down on your desk of all these bizarre, bad licenses that they had acquired. <laughs> um, and you're like staring into this thing and you're like, what, a Paula Abdul game? No, I don't want to make a Paula Abdul game. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and, is, that a and, real, and, is that a joke? Was that actually real? Paula? No, that's real. No, I, 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 I had to go to a Paula Abdul concert with Shinobu who loved her to bits. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, an MC hammer game. Uh, I could just go on. And uh, so I, I, out of that, I, I see this board game, and I and and I figure out, okay, I got to get an original title, something mm. I can make. So what I do is um, I grab this board game, and it's called Green Dog, and it's a board game. And so Shinobu says, well, we're going to make a board game, you know, on uh, you know, a video board game. Mm. And I'm like, no, over my dead body, we're going to make a video board game. <laughs> so I, I then pitched, we'll make a side scroller using the character. I get Rick Green, who's unfortunately passed away, um, really sadly, um, the creator of the Green Dog board game. Explain to him, look, you got a great character. I'll, I'll Trust me, I'll handle it. Mm. And I work with the Eternal Champion guys on what is our first original game. Now we get ridiculous uh no like basically no money um to make this thing we get no time you yeah. know it's another one of those i think we i think we have five or six months total to make that um and uh but we make it and we prove um uh you know to the company uh that i brought in this really good developer um interactive designs 
that they're going to be very valuable. In fact, so much that we end up purchasing them and turning them into Sega LA. And, uh, and I proved to the company that I can create an original game. And so at that point, then I, uh, I, I'm, you know, sort of moving up to uh, the next step. And that's when Scott Beerfield's going to leave. And Scott Beerfield is, uh, he's got a 10-page treatment uh, for a thing called Eternal Champions. And, uh, and uh, Clyde had just divided the groups up between uh, and named them called One Name Alpha, uh, which is Ed's group and one named uh, Omega, which is Scott Beerfield's group. Mm. Um, so uh, when Scott left, um, Clyde said, you know, I don't, you know, I think you're the obvious person to take over Omega. Um, and so I did. So Eternal, wow, Britt, that's amazing. Um, Eternal and, Champ, and, oh, yes, And sorry. I should tell you, at that time, um, the teams are sort of jumbled because mm. we got, like I had, I think the sports team is part of Omega at this time. Oh, um, really? Yeah, for, but it, it it lasts for just a little bit because we, you know, once everything sort of they got us split into these two teams, <clears throat> we started to realize, oh yeah, no, sports should be on its own, have its own leadership, and we would go from there on dividing teams out as as it made sense. Um, uh, it just so happened that. Um, I continued to build out Omega. Uh, Ed had less interest in building his group out, kept a very small group. He would always joke that he'd want to rename it uh, Amoeba. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that's how Omega gets created, is that I take over what is essentially, I mean, it had just been formed. I mean, mm. I don't even think they had a meeting. So you literally... Yeah, I mean, you literally took it over completely. It wasn't any. It wasn't like games before. You wow, that's that's a big role, isn't it? Yeah, no, it Science was a very. Role. It was a very big role. And then on top of it, you know, I get told, well, you know, Scott was doing this thing, and it's a fighting game. And of course, my eyes light up. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that explains the Street Fighter Two machine in the uh, break room. Oh, really? So. Yeah, there's a Turbo Street Fighter 2 machine, and I'm in there killing everybody with Chun-Li, just mm -hmm. slaughtering everybody. Um, and I think Clyde actually hears that I'm slaughtering everybody because uh, he's he's not aware that, you know, I have this fighting game background until. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I actually got the project because I, I was just good at killing everybody with Chun-Li. Um, but then I inform him about I have this project and he says to me just with. Clyde is an um, awesome guy, um, mm. and he says very drolly, you have to do what Scott plans. You can't change the plan. I'm like, it's a 10-page concept yeah. that, you know, I, I – and, and, and Scott's concept was he was going to do a Simon uh, Bisley, um, this artist, and it was all going to be about, like, real gross dwarfs with, like, flies around them, and um, they um, – they, you know, uh, have all kinds of medieval weaponry. And I'm like, oh, this is not me. You know, this is mm. this. None of this is going to sync with me. So, um, you know, I I, uh, I 
I, I think I gave you a copy of the design. Oh, I, and I really appreciate it. My, it's, I'll tell you, we're free. It's more than 10 pages. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What, what happened is, is if you read that first page, I, I literally say, yeah, hey, Clyde, I know that I said you said I wasn't supposed to change it, but uh, I kept only three things. I kept the name. <laughs> I kept uh, shadow, the picture of Shadow, which, by the way, wouldn't have made sense in a dwarf game. I don't know why Scott had a ninja created, but um, yeah. the, but uh, that was Ernie Chan, by the way, who created that image, uh, the great comic book artist. Um, okay. and, uh, and, 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 and the fact that it was a fighting game. That's all I kept. And then uh, I showed up, you know, uh, I guess, you know. I guess he, you know, Clyde in those days was so busy, he wasn't noticing that I was just around the clock writing um, and constantly had these, you know, uh, diagrams and all kinds of stuff up on my screen um, as he walked by. Um, I guess he just assumed that I was executing the thing. And then I plunked down what was like the first fourth of what you see there i don't know a couple hundred pages or something at least. absolutely amazing yeah and and so i plunked that down and i said well i you know and he was mad trust me he was, was not he? happy yeah because oh, wow. he, well well i mean he wasn't he wasn't he was mad that i just disregarded what he said <laughs> um which 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 i would have a habit of doing often um uh so uh you know uh you know, I was pretty headstrong at, at, at mm -hmm. that time. Um, and, 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 and so I, I, I was not always the best with authority. And, and Clyde, you know, rightfully so, would have appreciated if I, I had not just gone forward with it and I had brought him along maybe 20 pages in or 30 mm -hmm. pages in. The fact that I just plunked this huge thing down and had sort of just you know, made, made it so that he kind of had no choice. He was going to have to come along from a production standpoint. Um, but he got, you know, he got over it because as he saw what I was doing, he started to get real excited about it. And certainly he, he really liked the developer. So he had a lot of trust in them because, you know, we were so closely bonded with each other. Um, he kind of knew that, you know, there was kind of lightning in a bottle there. It's, I mean, I can tell the listeners for free, Michael, the, the document is absolutely incredible. It's, um, I'm, I'm really proud you sent it to me, actually. You know, it really, it, it, you can't, imagine what the game would be now if you if you didn't build that and you kind of stuck to the original 10 pages. Um, did you have, yeah. a, did you have another yeah. name for the game at all? Was it always, I know you couldn't really change the name, but if you, let's imagine you had that that power, would, was there a sort of name in the background? Oh, no, no? I, I loved Eternal Champions. Mm. I mean, no, it works, this, yeah. the, the, the second I created the, 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 the symbol, the, the Bushido symbol and the Eternity sort of idea, um, and I realized, you know, right away it was going to be, you know, uh, this time I was going to learn all the lessons I learned um, doing the fighting game, you know, uh, Tongue of the Fat Man. I was going to, um, you know, uh, create a long-term vision. And I, I, I really, I, I, I think the other thing that surprised Clyde and kind of everybody was they were like, what is all this story? Mm. <laughs> what? What is what is this? You know, because they're like, you know, you don't put a you know quarter in the Street Fighter machine and then you read 20 pages. I, I don't understand what all this story is sitting in there. And and I'm like, you know, fighting games should have as much potential to have a universe, um, you know, that is 
well-developed and then can be explored across multiple games. Um, so that was a big deal that I kind of stuck to my guns because there was, uh, you know, some kind of early pushback to let's strip this story stuff out. That's one reason why I think it stands out uh, and it's even respected today, Michael, I've, um, because it's not an arcade game. It's made purely for a console. It was made for, for the, the Mega Drive, the Genesis. Um, I don't think it had an arcade machine, did it? Nope. Um and it, it was literally made for that audience. It wasn't, oh, let's make Mortal Kombat, now let's port it over. That, that's why I think it stands out. It, it's well, per- yeah. Yeah, and the other thing was, is I was not, um, I was not chasing after Mortal or Street mm. Fighter, um, which I think is the great, you know, the, the, if, I, if, if one thing kind of, I don't get tweaked by it anymore, but I used to really get tweaked by people saying, oh, well, it's, uh, I'll always hear reviewers or YouTube, I'll watch a YouTube thing and they'll say, well, it was obvious that Sega had to chase after and they created this knockoff. Mm. It, from my perspective, I was avenging Tongue of the Fat Man, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, avenging yeah. that cup or avenging that name. Um, but uh, uh, but standing on all that stuff that I saw early in a Street Fighter one arcade universe, I, I didn't feel I, I was, you know, I was doing my own thing. I really was. And you respect both other games, I'm sure you like. Oh, take, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, when I had any free time, I was bolted to this uh, Street Fighter machine. You couldn't get me away from it. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I, I adored. And then of course, mortal, it, it, you know, I, I, I didn't like the mortal play mechanic. I always liked the street fighter play mechanic and I always liked the mortal, um, uh, a visual aesthetic and the violence. Well, eternal champions does have, um, it's quite dark and quite a moody game. Actually. It's not, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of similar in mortal Kombat in that sense. I think it's quite, it's quite adult in a way. Um, I mean, the whole characters, the whole story is you, you want to come back to life. Is that right? You need to sort of end your yeah. uh, second chance of life. I mean, do you have any favorite characters or moves or um, how do you sort of reflect back on the game as a whole? Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, it was purposely moody and you, you said a key word there, adult. Mm. I, I, you know, we were starting to see, you know, right away that, there was an opportunity with the Genesis to not just be about kids that we could capture definitely, you know, people at the college age and maybe even adults. And I really saw that in the fighting game uh, genre. So I purposely worked with, um, you know, and, and again, back to the design, if you read in the design, you know, I pretty much, you know, it, it, it's a pretty dark design when you read it. I mean, I'm, I'm describing all the kills, all the stuff, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm driving this thing to be adult, uh, like, um, yeah, as far as the favorite characters, I, I, I think people will be shocked because shadow by far is, is, you know, the pop, the popular mm. character. Oh yeah. Um, uh, but for me, uh, personally, it's, uh, Larson, um, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. and, uh, uh, Jetta. And and so I, it, I'll tell you why on on on, on both. Um, Larson is um, because um, I'm from Chicago, um, and he was kind of built with that whole aesthetic. Mm. Um, and also, one of the important things about Eternal Champions is they're all based on real fighting uh, techniques, uh, real fighting art forms. 
And um, his was Praying Mantis, which I always loved that um, fighting form. Yep. And um, and Jetta was uh, Panax a lot. Um, and, uh, and so uh, I loved that fighting form. And, and both of them, um, I mentioned I like Chun-Li. Um, yes. I like I like aerial characters, um, and so any characters that can attack from the air uh, as well as from the ground, I'm going to gravitate towards. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, I can promise you, I uh, I can I can seriously take you on with either of those characters and, and make life real hard for you. I mean, I, I used to love the game, um, and I it was. You know, I'm a big fan of that, that genre back in the day, and Eternal Champions really was a, a classy game. I'm not trying to give you a big ego, but it was a, it was just so fun and just learning the the backstories and um, forgive me, it's not there's not a fatality move, is it? But each character, or is it is it the location? You can actually you yeah, can, there's can... a yeah, there's there's a variety of, of kill systems, but yeah, the, the the big one that people love, which is um, called an overkill. That's it. Yes, of course, yeah. Yeah, and 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 so yeah, actually, uh, my favorite overkill by far um, is uh, in the 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 CD version of, uh, and it's when uh, it's on Jetta's stage, and it's when if you find just the perfect place and you kill, you see inside the circus tent this cannon fire this object out. And then uh, you see a shadow over the character that's about to get killed. And it, it, you know, the shadow sort of moves as though something is descending on it. And then a giant clown car full of clowns lands on the character. And uh, the best part is the clown at the end uh, honks the horn and it gushes out blood. <laughs> it is it is the yeah. most insanely ridiculous uh, thing. Uh, almost everybody... Um, sites they love the uh, uh, the uh, uh, God uh, the midnight one which is the one where just uh, you fall into a pit and it keeps cutting you up cutting you up cutting you oh, up oh I I remember learning that one of course <laughs> yeah that that that's often cited that's the one I uh, people will always talk about if they you know uh, reach out to me and they'll always say oh man I love that one well, again this might be a slightly it's a bit of a Rude question, possibly, Michael. But did you get the idea from Mortal Kombat for the sort of the overkills from fatalities, or is it a, an idea you just uh, originally thought of beforehand? Or no, uh, it, it, it was it, no. I mean, it was in a sense. I mean, I uh, I wanted to do a, a, if uh, I had sort of um, these ending moves mm. in uh, Tongue of the Fat Man that were uh, based on certain things that how the fight ended Uh, um were very kind of primitive thoughts of this but it had uh, of course certain things had established themselves as what people expected uh a a fighting game to work Mm. so uh you know i sort of went along with certain conventions at that time because uh i i I saw no reason to create a, a complete different version and then mm. make people angry because i just tried to be different for being different sake i get that and um darks oh sorry challenge from the dark side is obviously the kind of ex- special edition is that right the kind of mega cd version yeah um, so well it, it it came because of the unfortunate timing of how things were shifting at sega at this time because the 
32x is about to come, but also the Saturn is show, about to come. <laughs> yep. um, the life cycle's running out on the Sega CD. So I wanted to do, um, you know, it, it just didn't work out timeline-wise. What we wanted to do was to do the full second version, which is the uh, Eternal Champions versus the Infernals, which are the people who uh, were actually led to their deaths. And you would fight against um, those two sides. Wow. And so that was the original plan, but there was just not enough time. So what we did was we said, okay, let's make, let's give like a serious enhancement here. Let's show what the Sega CD can do, like Cinekills and, mm. um, you know, a lot more animation. And um, let's just, you know, improve the game in all the different aspects um, and give people, you know, um, what they want. And we'll just have to kind of make it all happen in the third version. Um, which was already, you know, pretty much on the books. So much so, it ended up on the, uh, uh, I think, the Saturn packaging. Amazing. I mean, quickly on, on Challenge from the Dark Side, I mean, um, so I've got here Senator. Was that really based on, is it Joe Lieberman, um, the politician? Yes, absolutely. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, he he was not a happy man about it, too. Oh, really? Yeah, he he did find out eventually. Um, he almost became vice president, um, which actually I could have tolerated that having a guy who really dislikes me have that much power because it, it would have wow. meant uh, George Bush didn't get in. But um, yeah, um, he you know I, I I thought oh boy if he ever became president president I'm in trouble. Um, because yeah he really had it out for video games as, as you know of course, he yeah. was the guy he was the guy who you know you you can uh if you read Blake Harris's book it's very well covered in there and i remember you know Howard Lincoln just laying it on about how Nintendo was so kid friendly mm. and how horrible Sega was and Mortal Kombat and so that was my reaction was, yeah, I put the senator character and he had all these moves like, you know, red tape and he could ban you and he could veto you. And, uh, you know, uh, my fa my favorite one is it's when he shakes, he, he makes the character fly upside down and shakes all the money out of your pockets. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he especially disliked that one, I heard. Oh. Uh, and uh, yeah, and and certainly the kills, uh, you know, having the nuke, uh, and then having them having them turn into a post uh, a post office person with Uzis was a thing to going postal, um, which was a game that was called out by them. Yeah. So so I, I really laid it on, and uh, and and that's why actually, if you take a look when you boot up um, the uh, that version. Um, it actually is on uh, deep water, not on Sega. It has a Sega logo, as as everything that Boots does. Ah. But it's it's called uh, Deep Water, and that was we invented that label um, for you know adult games. This was ahead of wow. the ERSB. Um, so yeah, so you know we had the warnings on it, um, uh, but uh, yeah, so so that was the one and only time that Deep Water got used. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that's where you see the shark. You know, you see the character floating, and then the the whole bloody. You know, I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. Just the opening. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. So I I I always joke that I'm CEO to this day of uh, Deepwater uh, subsidiary of Sega. Was there any other games that were touted for that particular label? Was it was that no, a little bit? No, yeah. because then 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 the whole um, you know ERSB mm. stuff happened and it kind of became a moot that you know Amazing. you just put mature on it and you were done. So you mentioned the Saturn then, and you, you you did say very briefly, Michael, that there was a sequel, there was a proper sequel in the works for Eternal Champions. But it didn't happen. Why why didn't it happen? And how far was the game in development? Okay, so um, I had uh, written, I think, about 30 to 40 pages of the initial concept. Um the team in LA was already working on getting the development gear up. Um, and uh, that's when I get told by Joe Miller um, that he'd like to see me in his, uh, uh, his other office, which was uh, the smoking balcony mm. uh, that was at Sega that he had. Uh, Joe smoked. And so if you ever wanted to have a serious discussion with Joe, he'd go out there and have a cigarette and then you would talk. And it was a good place because, um, you know, you could have some solitude and say some things without, you know, because sometimes the uh, offices, you could overhear things. Right. And and, uh, Joe informed me that the project was, you know, uh, going to have to be killed. Mm. Um, and I said to him why, and, uh, he, you know, said, well, you know, uh, from Sega of Japan's point of view, Eternal Champions is getting in the way of Virtual Fighter, uh, being successful in Europe and the United States. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, at this point, Japan is very much asserting themselves um you know starting to push to um you know want to take control back uh you know of uh what Sega of America is doing and this is really when they do that you know they this is one of the first volleys um it, it should also be noted that you know my relationship with them um, was uniquely difficult um because uh even though I'm head of the Omega Group, um, I'm designing product at this mm. time. I'm also running uh, test and QA. And you have to understand at, at test, we you know had a massive test department that ran at 1.3 shifts around the clock, 24 hours a day. Um, and we, uh, uh, you know, obviously we had a much smaller QA department that would then feed the builds out, but that was an important uh, part and I'm running that mm. um, and uh, one of the things uh, and and then I'm closely aligned with operations um, the person who runs operations is becomes a very good friend of mine her and I literally work hip to hip because we figure out that what if we work really well together we can give the development teams a lot of you know extra time because, the, you know, when you have to make cartridges and they have to come over on a, a, a ship or in rare cases be drop shipped by plane, um, it's, it's really important to know when a product is going to be able to end. Um, and if you have serious bugs, 
you can't ship that product. So you need extra time. So we would find the time in between, you know, sort of um, push the operation side to, to give an extra couple weeks of wiggle room so we could fix those bugs. And this really did not go over well with mm. um, uh, Sega of Japan, as you can imagine, because I was directly and inter constantly interfering with their, their operational stuff there. And then I also had to say, no, you know, I, I imagine Sonic really? 2. Well, well, you know, in fact, they called me Mr. No. Um, oh. That was a name because, of course, you know, like on Sonic 2, I, I'd be constantly in Kalinsky's office and I'd say to him, we can't ship this. And he goes, but we have to ship this. And I go, here's the bug. Here's the problem. Here's how many people are going to see it. Here's what is going to be. And then, you know, he'd call and they go, let me guess, Mr. No's not letting it through. <laughs> and then, you know. Uh, I, I'm sure they, you know, I can't remember the number amount of times they tried to get me fired, um, wow. be, you know, because they viewed that I was being too perfectionist, you know, mm. and they, these were bugs, you know, like we had bugs if there was a battery in the product and it, it would keep like score data or, you know, game data. If that got corrupted, the whole cart wouldn't work. And so that cartman would have to be replaced. Um, and the consumer would be, of course, very angry, mm. um, you know, having this occur. Um, so these were serious decisions with serious impact. It isn't like now, you know, most for most of your younger listeners, they, they you know, have grown up with online, you know, uh, mm. you know, updates and updates. Yeah. You know, being fixes, so yeah. seamless and easy. Um, in those days, it was all baked in. And so you just had to absolutely get it right. And we had the most elite test team on the planet, you know, so at the time. And, uh, yeah, so, and, and, and you know, and, and then, uh, you know, besides operations. And then I'm also working part-time. You know, I had four offices at this point in Sega, uh, you know, uh, because of the different buildings. So what building I was in, I had a little office. And I'm also over in Sega Toys, which is, uh, you know, poking Japan also on some of the stuff there. So I, I you know, I, I think between the Virtual Fighter not being as successful and the fact that they could... Um, kind of stick it to me a little. Um, I think that was kind of what happened. Well, appreciate the honesty, Mark. That's really, it's quite a sad story, really, because Eternal Champions was successful, wasn't it? It did sell well. It wasn't oh, yeah. like it, no. was, it lost money, yeah. No, it was, It was. I remember when Joe walked in and said, you know, um, we had crossed the million mark, and mm. I think, you know, and then we went across two million. Um, you know, we were the, uh, I mean, you know, um, and, and, and by the way, they didn't really, they spent very little on the marketing of it. Um, they did a pack-in for it, um, which helped sell even more. Um, I, I got forced to have to make it support the activator. Oh, boy, that was fun. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that, that's a whole different story. That's another story. <laughs> yeah, that's another yeah. story. But, 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 yeah, no, I mean, and, and the European side loved the product. So mm. I had a great relationship with Sega of Europe and they were doing licensing with it. And we, we had, um, uh, you know, uh, comic book interest. Uh, there was choose your own adventure uh, mm. stuff. Um, we had a little handheld LCD game um, here in the United 
United States. Um, 7-Elevens did a Slurpee promotion. We had Slurpee That's amazing. Cups. Um, I mean, it, it, it was devastating. I mean, and, and especially devastating for the Sega of LA guys because this mm. this was going to then hit them hard and eventually really lead to the closing of that office, you know. I mean, Michael, I, don't, I know we can't look into the future and um, parallel universes, but imagine if Eternal Champions was given the sort of love and care that, I don't know, Street Fighter brand and, or Mortal Kombat was given, like, to, you know, throughout its life. We could have Eternal Champion games even today. Do you know what I think? Was that, is that a letter yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, there was uh, two um, unfortunate spinoffs, each with their own sad story. Like, I was not involved with Chicago Syndicate. Um, that mm-hmm. was... Uh, uh, given to a different group, um, and they executed that for the Game Gear, and uh, I, I lay no claim to that one. But <laughs> I, 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 I was in the un- part of the unfortunate experts thing, and I, I think we have a lot to talk on, so I won't get into the experts part. Mm, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But but there was. There was reasons to why those two spinoffs. So there certainly would have been spinoffs. I mean, I would have definitely concluded the main idea in the third one because the concept was very simply was um, I was going to use the power of the next generation system to create this concept of, you know, it's about time travel. And so you had Mm. the... uh, 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 the Eternals and the Infernals, and you, you know, had the Dark Champion and the Eternal Champion, and the concept was is that there's a balance between these two things, and all of a sudden this balance starts to fall apart, and it turns out the bad guy is Chaos, mm. and Chaos is trying to disrupt the order between the balance here, and the concept of the gameplay was is that you would um, have you would play through the paths of the characters to try and reclaim their lives. But as uh, you would lose a battle, it would cause time ripples and the backgrounds would subtly change and your move sets would subtly change Mm. Um, and your character design would subtly change. And these time ripples got larger and larger. So um, you would have these cool adaptive backgrounds. Characters would be adaptive. The move systems constantly in time flux um and so i really wanted to show the power of you know using some 3d not so much for the characters but for the backgrounds and and just create this concept of you know what what it would mean if you lost a battle um maybe technology goes away and now you're you what was rax's complete modern thing looks you know like mad max now instead Oh, I love that idea. I mean, I love time. Tra- I mean, I'm sure you're a Back to the Future fan. I, I get. Yeah, I guess. Massive. Yeah. 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 Me too. I think I, I love that. I well. I, oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that, so so that's how I kind of wanted to end it out. And then I always viewed there would be an ongoing thing that would come out of it, um, and there would be a reinvention of. Uh, a path to create new characters, new sets of characters, yep. and then bring some of the and and then mix in the old ones, similar to kind of what both Street Fighter and Mortal have done, where characters mm. have come in and have come out. Oh dear, <laughs> I see. Yeah, so, Michael. So, it yeah, is. it was it, it was a bummer. It took me quite a while to get over it. I, you know, uh, it, it, it it still stings. 
I bet it. I've got a few quick fire questions regarding a few sort of characters on Eternal Champions. Um, then we can sort of move on to a new topic. But really quickly, was there who was in your eyes the strongest character in Eternal Champions? Whether it's uh, the Dark Side or the original game, was there a particular character who had the best sort of uh, stats overall? Mm. Um, depends on your fighting style, I suppose. Yeah, I I would say it it it, it definitely would be on the thing. Um. I would argue that having seen people play, probably Shadow is the strongest. Mm. When when you master her, I would say that probably Shadow is the strongest. No, no, yeah, fair enough, good stuff. Um, if you could, let's imagine you could like turn a movie or a character, one of the characters into its own sort of standalone movie. Who would you like to explore sort of background even further with? Well, everybody would want Shadow. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but but for me, I, I I would probably choose Larson only because I yeah. love the 1920s. I I, I love the the idea of the mob being involved. I like the idea Excellent. of yeah. a guy, you know, a, a badass guy in a fedora uh, using praying mantis technique. But yeah, Brilliant. that would that would be it. But that's sort of from a selfish standpoint. If I was advising somebody who was, you know, I'd say, I'm sorry, you have that would be what I'd like to do. But you should do the shadow movie. Oh, that would be. I think that both be good. <laughs> um, this is a bit of a weird question, but if you could meet one of the characters from Eternal Champions in real life, who do you reckon you'd most get along with? Have a have a yeah. drink with. Yeah, Larson for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, good, good shout, good shout. Um, Michael, last time we had you, we had a text interview a few years ago, and you said there was a chance that we might see a new Eternal Champions game. Is there? Can you update us on that project? Is it is it moving forward or is it paused slightly or what's the latest? Yeah, it, it's paused. Um, Adam and I looked at it uh, a lot, um, and uh, I, I can't speak too much about like. In a sense, who owns Eternal Champions and what mm. the status of that is, in a sense. Um, there's a lot of confusion over that. But um, we, we decided that we, you know, could even if assume that we couldn't use it. Um, we were exploring ideas of building uh, just a fighting game that would have all the hallmarks. Um, we looked at each of those. Um, we spoke to a lot of people at that time. Um, I would say that it, it kind of was a, a lower point for fighting games mm. um, from from an investment standpoint, I, I'm talking. Oh, OK. Sorry, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think at the time, um, Street Fighter kind of uh, the one player wasn't there and there was a lot of unhappiness about that. Um, uh, I think. Uh, I'm trying to remember which Mortal had come out. But, I mean, neither were like, setting sales records compared to other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think from the market, they, they're they like, well, what, what can you do? It's just going to be another one of these. Um, where's the massive upside? And we were trying to argue that we would create a fighting system architecture underneath, like an entire back, you know, a, a, a hub that would host the tournaments that would um, that uh, almost like you would apply an SDK to so that mm. other fighting games could be developed on this whole backbone system. 
Um, and they saw, you know, that would take, you know, investment and time. And I think th they just weren't ready for it. So we're just sort of waiting for the right opportunity. I mean, Adam and I constantly talk about it and he's constantly out there looking for opportunities. So it, yeah, hopefully well, that's, it's not definitely, well, it could happen, Michael, let's see. It, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it definitely could happen because yeah, yeah. At, at, at this point, I, I don't, I, I mean, I think it's quite clear um, that, uh, and we can talk a little later about the current, what, you know, the current mm. status of Sega, but I think it's quite clear that they're not really up to wanting to do um, new games based on the retro games much. Yeah. With the exception of Sonic. Uh, and even yeah. if they did, um, Sega of Japan uh, slash Sammy, um, my guess would be even to this day, Eternal Champions is not going to get the nod from Sega of Japan mm -hmm. to do a next one through them. You know, Streets of Rage 4, that was obviously, you know, Streets of Rage 4, that was developed uh, with Sega's help, but through kind of indie developers. Yes. Uh, could that be an option or is that, you know? Yeah, just... I, I could definitely see that as a potential option. Mm -hmm. that, you yeah, know, yeah. Because then it wouldn't be viewed as competing against, you know, Virtual Fighter, assuming they're going yeah. to do something with Virtual Fighter. Um, uh, you know, uh, we'll it's about really... virtual, yeah, soon. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, that's that's it. I mean, it's it, that is a possibility uh, that we have explored, and we think that we can make it work. But um, right now, uh, I, they're, they're sort of, I think, so Sonic focused. Um, yeah. it's yeah. very hard to get their attention on anything else. And I think you know, I I think I I think Sega's trying to figure out where they're going to go from here mm, uh, you know definitely. i have i have no insight into the current management team but i it just feels to me that okay they've done everything that they can do now on the retro side with the uh, you know the very good release they they sort of won the war of the little mini versions of the the, the consoles um yes yeah they're sort of knocking out other mini versions uh the game gear ones kind of are like crazy priced um yeah you know it, it's it feels like they're running out of fuel on that side so the question becomes is do they start really going into the ip and using it or are they going to continue to just focus on originals and what do those originals look like because you know um we can talk about them later about oh yeah 100 percent point of view on them well as you know, Michael, I, I, I own a 32X, which uh, is a really interesting peripheral for the Mega Drive or Genesis, whatever you're going to call it. It's quite a fascinating machine. Um, you Actually, I've spoken to Al Nielsen before. I know Dylan's spoken to Tom Kalinske. The 32X is a very controversial console. It gets a lot of derision, uh, derision even today. People, some people love it. Some people hate it. Yeah. I'd love... And again, I, I loved, and I know that you've worked on the 32X. You you worked a number of games, and some weren't released. And you, you're the perfect man to ask. What are your personal? What was your role on the 32X? And what do you? What's your views on it? Was it ever given its full sort of power? Yeah, no. The the, the simple <laughs> answer is no. Um, you know, the 32X. It, it's very hard to explain. You know, I think for people who are interested, the Blake Harris book does a great job of explaining kind of how the 32X 
comes in, uh, how, where Joe Miller's involved and where he's not involved, because it's a very long story. But it, it was definitely meant they had done um, uh, God, a virtual racer racing cart with a special chip in it that yeah. allowed it to do much better graphics. And I think they thought, well, you know, we can't keep putting this chip in the carts. That's too expensive. And that sort of gave birth to the 32X, even though the Saturn was barreling down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, that how I got involved with the 32X is, so as I mentioned to you, I, I have all these roles. I, and obviously my my running test and, and you know, uh, at this point, I think, yeah, my uh, partner in crime had left. And so I'm literally sitting over an ops, going to ops meetings, um, becoming part of the ops organization. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and because of this, um, there's a great sensitivity from the other groups that I not give Omega, because um, now we're just monster sized, you know, internally, um, a, a, you know, a, a, a leg up. So we sort of say, okay, fine, we'll take on the Picos, we'll take on the ending life for the Game Gear, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll do the things that the other groups, you know, we don't get to do any of the Saturn launch titles, um, we'll do the 32X. Um, so my guys were always grouchy about it, but it was the only way to sort of keep everything fair um, and, 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 and not put handcuffs on me that I felt like I couldn't make the sort of calls I had to make in test and in operations. Yeah. So, so that's how I ended up with my group essentially doing all the 32 X stuff. So we did, we did the star Wars, uh, uh, port. Uh, it's a good game. That, though. That's a yeah, good game. And, that, yep, yeah. and that was Sega and that was Sega of LA, you know, fantastic mm-hmm. guys. Um, and, and they executed that great. And that really showed, what the 32x could be i mean you know there was there was potential there but you can't you can't have you know i'll i'll never be able to prove it to anybody except for just a couple of games and you you know and and you're either going to believe it or you're not going to believe it and i understand because then you look at over at the saturn and you go why would i ever buy one of these well had it been had it been done sooner, had it had more legs, just mm. like the Sega CD, had it had more time to mature, um, there would have been a much more appreciation and we would have been able to push the hardware. I mean, you know, one of the things about end of uh, life games is sometimes you get some really amazing games yes. because people have have figured out how to get down to the metal of, of the machine and, and, and really exploit things directly um it, you know and you you get these amazing effects or amazing speeds so yeah that's that's it yeah i'd love to what game that was released do you really think showed the 32x is true potential do you reckon there's no game that was officially released that did that i i i yeah there was no i i, I think star wars came mm. even though um just just because i think i i think it's the gameplay is so solid yeah uh, and you would have never been able to do that even with the, the the little built-in chip that they used um, for the racing game, I, I think if you looked at that and thought even forward and thought, wow, if they had uh, one more cycle of games, if if Sega LA had been able to take everything they learned and then made an original game, 
um, that would have been an amazing game because they've learned they had to learn it first. We didn't get it. I mean, we didn't get any dev kits. I mean, we literally got units. That's my, my, that's staggering. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Really, let's be honest. That that yeah. shows. I mean, it's not like you you're a you're part of Sega. It's not like you're like a a third party developer. Oh, oh, I'll 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 have a story for you later uh, <laughs> about about that one. Uh, it, it's mean, not it's not the first time. I'll 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 tell you a Sega CD story real quick at the end here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, but you did work on I think two games that were never released on the well, Floatworks. Is that right? Well, yeah, three. Oh, three. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first two um was um. One was called uh, Bane, Um, and and Bane uh, stood for Bioadaptive Nanite Nanite Enhancement, but we just called it Bane. Mm. And it was a really cool game. It was the idea that you've got these nanites uh, that are clad onto a sphere, a spherical tank. And you are fighting, and, and these nanites, when you push the button, whatever you're on, fire, grass, dirt, water, whatever element, steel, um, that then the nanites form that substance around the sphere. Wow. And so you are then battling other uh, spheres and other um, tanks that have some have the technology, some don't. And you are uh, using you're on this 3D environment. Think kind of Marble Madness, but a much more cooler, faster, slicker version of how Marble Madness, the marble used to move around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and so you have these tanks and you're just constantly altering your state. And as you take damage, you get smaller and smaller your tank until it, you know, it, uh, it explodes. Um, and so you can in, you can grow back your nanite armor by doing certain things and get larger and larger. And so it was a very simple game, but the idea was it was going to be a first-gen game, was just to get this very uh, fluid, sexy, mm-hmm. um, fun, uh, highly addictive game. Um, so that was that one, and, and that really bummed me out. I was going to get to build that with Robert Morgan, who was uh, one of the original Power Drift guys. Today, I'm still good friends with him to today, um, and that was devastating. Um, these all got shut down, of course, because the 32X stuff got shut down. Um, of course, yeah. And and then we had uh, another one was called a town called uh, uh, New Mex uh, town called Chaos New Mexico. And uh, uh, the idea was, um, oh, God, it slipped my mind. Um, It it was the classic game of where you managed a city. And um, it's not coming to me. Uh, You did just city management. Yeah, uh, SimCity sort of game, is that right? Yeah. Well, it it wasn't like SimCity. It was, uh, I think. I forget the name, but it was the idea that, you know, oh, I build my little city and then occasional tornadoes came. Um, and uh, I just, you know, uh, and it always frustrated me that you could only play the uh, side of building the city and you didn't get to be the tornado. If that uh, 
<laughs> and so um, so the idea of this was you have this town and you can be a positive force or a negative force. Hmm. And um, the town is a very unlucky town. And so <laughs> yeah. uh, and so just the smallest little things can just turn into uh, just disasters if you don't control them. And you can choose to be the guy causing the disasters or the one control uh, uh, trying to stop them. And the idea would be like, you know, uh, you would flick a little flame onto the lawn. The lawn would catch on fire. It would hit a gas pipe. Then you'd see the gas building in the back explode. Then a giant fireball would land and hit the uh, energy plant. And on and on it went. And you had to just sort of shut down the chaos or increase the chaos. Hmm. That does sound... You know what? Both those games sound quite interesting. Uh, if I'm being really quite ambitious in a way. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 that, and that's... Unique. And, and, they, and they were ambitious because we wanted to show that you could modify you know we were going to you know use a mix of sort of 3d texture swaps and all this stuff to really show off the power of what could be done yeah yeah with Um, the 32x and then the last one is the 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 heartbreaker for me uh which is ratchet and bolt um Mm. i sent you the concept on that you did Uh, it's amazing yeah, and and that one was my, I mean, that was my baby after EC. I I was working on that constantly. Um, I I wanted to originally do it for Genesis, and I realized there wasn't going to be enough horsepower. I, I thought, okay, I'll wait for whatever comes next. Um, and, and by the way, for the listeners, um, this is way before Ratchet and Clank existed. I was going to say it's not it's not like a Ratchet and Clank. You know, how would you describe yeah. the game to the listeners then? Okay, so the the idea of the game is it's the future. The idea is is that uh, the police department and everything has been privatized. um, And uh, the world is this fantastic place where people are really bored because it looks like Sony designed the world. Everything is all slick and beautiful uh, and modern. And so people just start building giant robots. um, And like one of the ones is this, you know, this woman who's going around and ripping the tops off of uh, Neiman Marcus's and just looting them uh, in this giant robot that looks mm. like her with this, you know, in her uh, muumu with like curlers in her head and uh, uh, stuff like that. And uh, uh, and these robots would be these giant bosses that you would actually enter into and they would you actually go inside the robots and fight them within and the idea of ratchet and bolt is is that the police ordered this huge fleet of robots i mean uh you know robots uh to uh help fight against these mega robots and the guy they ordered from rips them off and only gives them two robots and that's ratchet mm-hmm. and bolt um and uh and 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 they're really cheaply made uh, uh, but the good news is, is he's willing to sell enhancements for them. Um, and so the whole idea of the game is they have these massive weapon abilities. Um, and I spend, uh, I, I, I think they have 90 weapons in total. All, uh, and the, I, and the idea, I love them because the robots at first look human. And then when they get banged, they look like robots. And then when they get, uh, banged again, their legs fly off and they're, they have little spheres that shoot out that they're motoring on. And then eventually they get down to a little microchip that runs mm. around. Mm. Um, and, and so that's sort of your life meter is what state of damage you're in. 
Um, and it was very comic because you're being constantly exploited. The, the, the giant robots are completely ridiculous. The technology was cool because it allowed split screen uh, play. So you could actually be in two different locations as the robots. It was side scrolling. And then the idea is it's the mega bosses was we were going to use the insides. We're all going to have um, 3D gears and 3D machines in there. And you would have to fight your way up these robots that are, you know, uh, even larger than the buildings that they're terrorizing. Michael, I don't like these three games. I mean, they sound like they could have been, I don't sound you know, they could have really been game changers. They could have really shown what the console could have done. Um, was there no chance they could have said, well, look, Michael, you've worked on these three games. We're not going to put them the 30 text. Can't we put them for the Saturn? Was that never a discussion or was it just, nope, moving on? It, it was pretty much moving on because mm. what had happened is, is that, um, you know, we, we were not, in a sense, it, they wanted us to start focusing on, other stuff at that point right yeah Um, we we were going to be you know having the sweep behind help with the third party saturn titles kind of land the ending of the 32x um you know also at this point you have to understand um from the time that clyde um who then joe miller takes over for um i'm i'm not supposed to be doing games as an executive right, producer, you're course, supposed yeah. to be you're supposed to be managing uh, your group, and uh, you know Clyde was very much um, you know he would always say to me, I can have one of you, or you could make me ten of you if you would manage your group, um, and that's what you got to do. And so Clyde was always trying to push me out of games, um, mm. uh, but he left, and then Joe Miller. Um, was kind of like go go go, uh, you know. Uh, he he loved that. I I would like to get into anything, because mm. um, uh, Joe was sort of you know we had that in common. Uh, but then I think Joe realized, oh my God, you have four offices, um, you know, and you're integral. I mean, you're very integral mm. at this point to a lot of key things, um, like you know stuff shipping on time and 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 being bug free. Um, and, and I, and I think it was then that Joe kind of put his foot down and said, you know, I need you to really manage now, Mm -hmm. you know, I need you to, to, to focus all your guys because we're starting to see the financial, you know, Sega's seeing significant financial pressure, the company's starting to get into trouble. Um, there's a real panic, um, occurring, um, Tom Kalinske's going to leave, um, that means yeah. sake of Japan is going to have direct control. And uh, I, I think Joe, you know, Joe's worried that, you know, maybe he can't protect me in the way that Tom probably had to protect mm. me quite a few times. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So 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 anyway, that's that's why. So I ran out of runway and I never yeah. got to, I never got to come back to those games and I didn't feel right going to one of my producers and saying, well, this is my passion, you know, plop mm. here, now make it yours. Um, that didn't seem fair. Those mm. guys had worked so hard and had taken a lot of tough projects, as I explained, because, uh, you know, because of me running these other things. So it was their time to do their personal passion projects. Really quickly, before we go on to a couple more topics, um, 
those those three games you mentioned the 32x uh, uh, is the coding long gone is there any chance you could release them today on any other cartridge or even like a sort of homebrew 32x you know or, or is, it, is that out of the question it's probably out of the question i mean i i, I you know i i've thought many times about you know how to make ratchet and bolt mm. uh into something because it's still relevant today i mean it's hilariously you know um, future predicting as far as yeah. um, some of the stuff that's going on um in the real world um but um yeah it's i mean there's a potential that if i went to work uh at the right sort of company and they wanted to do for a given platform something really unusual um you know the problem is is i fear that it would turn into some horrible freemium game where people would get shook down for weapons yeah um, yeah 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 you know and and then it would lose all its charm i mean it had to be made in an era where when you bought a game you bought the game yeah no transactions and stuff yeah i get your point yeah because the whole idea was earning those progressions mm, that mm. was what was going to make the game so replayable yeah i yeah if it was made today there might be pressure used to do microtransactions and that would you're right that's not well you don't want to do that do you yeah, yeah. i mean it, it would just break the whole concept of what yeah. would make what would have made that game fun and unique and again i'd say to the listeners i know they can't see it obviously but the 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 pack you sent me was extremely it's amazing the artwork looks incredible and um the story and the concept you know I, i'd love to see it one day 100 yeah well er, er, ernie ernie chan um uh you know did once again the great comic book artist sadly also not with us um he he did the uh art for that and then we actually had a little tiny playable um we actually did get oh, wow. to do a, a, a demo um, if you want, after the uh, interview, I'll, I'll um, uh, email you a link to the uh, YouTube. That'd be lovely. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, the, lots of, it's a good question, actually. Some people love the Mega CD. There are some people that love the 32X. It's a strange one. There's almost a battle between the two, which is better. Um, I would argue maybe the Mega CD gets a bit more love overall. But where would you stand? Are you a fan of the Mega CD yourself, Michael? And which one's better in your humble opinion? I, I I would err towards the CD only in that it allowed us more opportunity to try different things. You know, you had the guys go off and do full motion video. You had people, um, you know, it, it opened up a lot more creativity and, and it solved the storage problem, which was always, you know, just a massive problem for us. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you know, like I, Eternal Champions, the original cartridge, if I had not proven in the playables and got them to give me a decent card size, which was the largest card size at that time, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, it, it would have been a disaster. I mean, you know, one of the reasons that, you know, I, I couldn't make Green Dog a better game was, you know, I, 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 I had, you know, the smallest card size possible at the time. Yeah. Um, and that's what was economically viable. So the CD opened all that stuff and sort of, I think what this, I, I, I'm not from the user base, they got some benefits from it. Mm. They didn't get enough in my opinion. Um, but from the production standpoint, we loved it because it got us ready for next generation platforms. Yep. 
it, it had us all thinking, okay, what could you do with the early unlimited storage? What, you know, what are you going to do with real music and how are you going to license that? And what does that mean? And how are we going to have these, like with the Cinekills, you know, we, we're going to make, you know, use silicon graphic machines, you know, uh, or lesser devices to make full 3D renders. And then they look horrible using, you know, <laughs> that, that thing. But, you know, but it got us understanding that there would be a future where those assets could be directly used. And and uh, so it, it was excellent in there where the 32X, you know, um, would have been, I think, maybe better for the user had it really at second generation games i mm. think there would have been some amazing games there well it sounds like it the way you describe it yeah 100 percent um i've got on your um your list of games you worked on uh, one is virtual fighter is that correct yeah so i worked on the 32x version oh okay yeah did that and, sting a little do you mind me asking, did that sting a little bit considering <laughs> that yes you, yeah 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 that, that but but um that that's before they killed uh that's before so uh and and one of the uh, other reasons i think that um soj was mad at me was um uh, it turned out that that team was like a little spinoff team that was doing the 32x and they weren't kind of getting a lot of leadership from the japanese side except just make this thing because Japan at that point really didn't care about the 32X. So I sort of said, hey, guys, how about we make we do more? How about we do this dynamic camera idea and playback and all this stuff? And so I tweaked it a bunch. Um, I changed even some of the I didn't change the moves, but I changed some of the dynamics behind it and, and, and stuff. And so when to say of Japan <laughs> saw that I had tweaked their uh, virtual fighter and they had no choice but to ship it uh, by the time they figured out what i had done um they had to ship it Um, they're not happy then (laughs) oh they were not happy (laughs) really yeah not happy at all um you know because they wanted just the original you know Mm. the fact that it had these enhancements um that you know um the the way that development in Japan works is it is, you know, a very strict, concise way that you mm. follow um, what, you know, the marching orders are. Um, you, yes. You know, if I had pulled off what I pulled off with EC and completely switched rooted on them, I would have been fired in a, in a Sega Japan universe. I mean, we'll talk a bit more about Sega Japan soon, but did you ever go to Japan? Did you ever get a chance to visit yes. their offices? Oh, you did? Yeah. Did, you, did you get along with the people then working at the time? or was yes. it? Oh, yeah. yes, yes. I got along with the people, and um, for the most part, I got along. I mean, um, you know, even management begrudgingly would like me and dislike me at varying times. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, where, where, I, where I got on the radar most of all is, you know, I'm standing in the way of Sonic 2 shipping. You know, or I'm, you know, STI had to go through tests and they would gripe about, you know, why can't they have their own test department and just not have to put up with us? So, you know, (laughs) I'd fall, you know, I'd fall on and off the radar, you know, from time to time. And, you know, and, you know, uh, uh, other ways like uh, on a rare occasion, we had Disney come through. And we had to test a, a Disney title because it was so important to the platform. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, and uh, so not only did I have Sega Japan literally trying to get me fired, I had Disney to try and get fired twice. <laughs> I always tell that to people. I always go, they always say, why, why, why are you always so down on Disney? I go, well, they tried to fire me twice and I didn't even work there. Um, that, so, wow. Can I ask what two games were they? Or you don't have to tell me. I, 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 I can't say. No, no. <laughs> Are you, do you, I, can't, do you, I, I can't say because it, 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 it could cause some potential. I, I, yeah. I'm sure all the people are long gone, but I wouldn't want to take the chance. They have long no, yeah. Do you watch Disney films anymore? But, just... but I, I, I can tell you it, it was one of the top uh, one of the top most respected Disney games on the Sega platform. <laughs> I'm and sure it, we can it, all guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was it was really down to just you know I, I, they weren't used to going through a test process okay. like ours. I mean we we you know third uh, the third party program um, that they were used to was you know very relaxed comparatively and and put the onus on them to take care of their testing. So to be I mean I understood, but I just I had to hold the line. It, it, it just. It was it was really important to the success. I mean, one of the things I'm very proud of is, you know, we didn't have any too many, you know, I think I think we had uh, I had to go to Alabama. Well, that was a rough one um, to the uh, to the Sega CD uh, facility uh, where the CDs were being made. And I think that was the only time. And it was because the people making the CDs, it wasn't properly curing. Aside from that, we did not have any major QA or any major disasters on my watch, you know, mm. and, and again, these carts, once they were shipped, they, they couldn't be updated. So I, I, I was quite Oof. proud of that. And, I, and, 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 and in a sense, if Disney would see it in the long view, I, I really helped them out because, you know, Imagine had this, you know, had this game shipped and then this had this issues, really yeah. obviously bad bug that, you know, maybe 40% yeah. of the people would be running into. Um, it may not be as beloved as it is. And also like Sonic 2 as well, which I know, you know, let's be honest, one of the best games on the Mega Drive is it's some people regard it as, as the best game on the Mega Drive. If that was released with lots of bugs, it probably wouldn't be so well respected today. Is that fair? Absolutely. Totally yeah. fair. And, 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 that, yeah. and that was the problem was, again, just, you know, Sega Japan viewed it as, well, we say it's done. It's done. And mm. and. Kalinsky, you know, Kalinsky came from um, the toy, uh, you know, uh, Mattel, and uh, his background was toys, and so he really understood about like recalls, and 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 having to do things correctly, um, and you and, and and what can damage a brand. So in a sense, and, and and Joe Miller had this great attitude. So did Clyde. So in a sense, I always had their backing because they believed what I believed is that you know uh, people were spending very expensive. You know, those carts were not cheap. They were spending mm -hmm. good money and, and, and people worked very hard, the, the development teams, to make a great game and it, to just let something go just because you could you know, ship it a day earlier um, was never going to work out well. So it, it was always a, a tough tension. Man, that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, you worked at Sega for nine years. Is that right, Michael? You said about nine years. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, uh, between the various groups. Yeah. And did did uh, how did obviously Sega 
grew massively over that time, I'm sure. Um, yes. how, how would you reflect back on that sort of time? And was there any sort of massive decisions that you saw maybe above your head that you thought this is amazing or this is going to end terribly? And what, how would you sort of just look back at the company even today? OK, well, hmm, that's an interesting one. So um, I, I would say first, I, I, I always say I bleed blue. Mm, yeah. um you know i'm incredibly loyal to sega um it is uh, by far my favorite job i've ever yeah. had um it was you know you don't get a better ride than when you walk into a company and it's just a, a small group of people and then it explodes into this giant thing um again blake harris's book i'm not plugging it mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know uh so uh but i do think it, it did capture that um, we all liked each other and we all got along. And uh, that part was incredible. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, I I, I have more stories uh, that, you know, I'll I'll do a little wrap, you know, uh, would you like me to, you know, kind of fill you in on like some of the stories? If if that's all right, Michael, yeah, I'll be honest. Okay, well, um, so, Let's see. Um, I would say, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Like, my favorite game I worked on was, like, EC, uh, of course, Eternal Champions. Uh, and then my worst game that I already had mentioned experts, but um, the worst one is uh, Young Indie. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I cannot tell you. All, all, all I can tell you, because I'll keep it short, because I have a lot of points that I want to just fill you in on, um, is that uh, I had to go meet with George Lucas, and I had this great wow. design about um, where uh, it, it was the Philosopher's Stone, and uh, it turned out that the Philosopher's Stone was involved with the Fabergé people, that the Fabergé were actually all, all those eggs were advanced technology. And I had this fantastic young indie story to bring them all over. Hmm. And I meet with George Lucas and I, I'm not, a, I'll, I'll be honest. I was never a massive star Wars fan for some hmm. reason, very oddly. I was more a Trek guy, but still it's star Wars. You're, you're impressed. I'm like Skywalker impressive. Um, I like, you know, obviously the indie movies yeah. and it was a devastating meeting. Oh, <laughs> was it? I, I, Oh, oh my gosh. I, I, I won't go into it too much, but I can tell you I cannot watch any George Lucas movie ever. Um, and uh, so all those movies are lost to me. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and it went from there into one of the most difficult games of my life. And then the developer I had was going through going through a divorce and, and, and financial breakdown. I mean, it was just disaster after disaster. <laughs> In fact, we actually uh, we actually used that product uh, to hire testers. If you can find a bug in that product, you then were not worthy of becoming a tester. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, and the testers, they, 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 some of them are still in psychological treatment for having to test that game. <laughs> <laughs> I've never played it. I I must give it a go to see how bad it really is. Oh, <laughs> it, it, it. It, it, it just it breaks my heart. And and yeah. and and again, you know, Lucas was not my hero. Um, John Hughes was my hero, and I, I got act, to meet what him. What director? 
Mm. Yeah, uh, and 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 I got to meet him for a whole day and 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 pitch him the Home Alone. It was the only time I lost I, my cool. I I have great celebrity cool. Yeah. I I got to meet a lot of celebrities and uh, uh, you know spend time on a movie set or whatever. John Hughes, I I just lost it. I'm like you know Ferris Bueller and this and that, and it, it, he lets me go for like a half hour of questions um before tom kalinsky has to like calm me down and oh, tell me to chill what's your favorite john hughes film if you don't mind asking i'm, I'm a fan as well uh ferris bueller yeah. but uh, it, it, and breakfast club are just tied for me for different reasons yeah brilliant um he, he sadly passed away didn't he not too yes young. no yeah. i was i was crushed because i yeah. i i John continued and stayed a hero. He had a toy store. I mean, the guy was just, I mean, he, you know, he was the hero I met. And then Lucas was the, the complete opposite of that story where uh, it's just, just devastated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Let's see. Other things that I can tell you about is I think, um, you know, I, I I had some great managers. I already mentioned them, Mm. you know, uh, you know, Joe Miller sadly passed. So yep. uh, that that was really devastating, um, uh, you know. But, you know, uh, I mentioned that uh, I locked into one of the best admins in the world, uh, Joyce uh, Berrios. Um, and uh, what's funny is, is she would go on and actually go on to do, start making games uh, when Sega was uh, in uh, uh, San Francisco. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, so she actually was she she was amazing. I mean, she, you can imagine trying to keep track of me across four offices and all the things <laughs> I'm doing, and and she was unflappable. But she also learned from us and and became you know really a, a really great uh, game producer uh, herself. So I was always proud of her for that, and she was an amazing person and 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 so central to our entire team when you have a large team like we did um and 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 at that point i would always joke i was in my fat suit at one point i was quite heavy um and 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 joyce would always somehow miraculously get me a business class seat or i'd be sitting up with kalinsky and he'd go how do you do this i don't understand how are you up here um so she was amazing um at that point, one of the great stories I remember is if you went to E3 or CES, Omega ran the booths because mm. the other teams wanted to run around and see the products, rightfully so. So we didn't mind taking the hit and we would dress up in suits and sunglasses. And this was before the, you know, Will Smith uh, movie. Um, yeah, yeah, Men in Black. Yeah. Men in Black. So <laughs> it, it was we 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 consider ourselves like a little mafia. So that's how we dressed. Um, so I always love when I see the old pictures of the guys and with their sunglasses and suits on. Um, it looks like, you know, a E3 brought to you by Reservoir Dogs. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. We all had nicknames, which, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I, I notice now in modern days, I, I don't know, the companies are so large, people don't have nicknames. So I sort of miss the idea of nicknames. Um, what was your nickname? Was, yes, sir. Mine was, yeah, mine was Odin. Um, and, uh, and because, you know, in those times, everybody would say I was a pretty scary guy. Um, so, um, they go like, oh, well, you're going to have to go ask Odin. So, um, and then my right hand guy became Thor. 
<laughs> but there was like eel and spider, even though eel was really Loki. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, by by how how his personality was. Yeah. Uh, another quick story. Uh, we did Scud, the disposable assassin, was based on a comic book, uh, and uh, Dan Harmon um oh. was one of the two guys so i'm sitting there with dan Harmon in my office thinking well you know this hope this comic book thing works out for this guy <laughs> you know? because yeah. you know he's this you know he's very much the guy he is now i mean he's sort of disheveled and you know just spouting great stuff but you know kind of like this maniac genius so i i just mm-hmm. thought well he was an odd man you know um so you know and that kind of happens you meet people long in nine years that turn into these very famous people um oh so i told you about sega cd another japan reason Mm. that got i this was when i got on their nerves uh (laughs) this is before i i think i'm not running am i running test Maybe, yeah, I am running test at this point. But um, uh, so what happens is I, uh, they send three Sega CD units for us, but they send them so none of them are working. Ugh. Because they don't, for whatever reason, they, they said, well, we're not ready for the interface, uh, the, for pictures of the interface to be taken. Um, you know, we're, we're not fully decided, even though I know that this thing's got, is already in production. Cause I know from the op side, wow. they, and, and, and so what I do is I take the three units apart very carefully because they, you know, uh, uh, after the photo thing, uh, just in case they have to take more photos yeah. and take the parts and build one working Sega <laughs> CD unit. Um, uh, and Shinobu Toyota, who is the eyes and ears of Sega Japan, uh, works as late as I do. So he comes by and he goes, wait, you have a working Sega CD? <laughs> How? How? And I go, well, I sort of built it. And so uh, I, of course, uh, he then reports to Japan immediately. And that was probably <laughs> one of the first times I truly annoyed them because, of course, then uh, marketing took pictures of the, you know, uh, so that they could get that out mm-hmm. and in production to what the interface looked like of the Sega CD interface. That's incredible. I mean, they purposely sent you broken Sega yeah. CDs. Are you sure, Mike? That's not that's not just bad travel. You know, you didn't get. No, 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 no. Absolutely. They said we don't want. We did not want. We're not ready to show the you know the actual working unit. And then I, and and I said I can make you know I realized I looked and I go oh I can make this actually work if I just mm. part two of them I can get one of them working. <laughs> So I mean the the Japan versus Sega America that could literally be a movie, couldn't it? It just sounds oh, well, it, unbelievable. It, it, yeah, well, uh, I think Seth Rogen holds yeah. the the, the yeah. book, the Blake Harris book, and yes, there's I've a thought, lot. Yeah, yeah, is that going to happen? Do you know? Or? No, I don't know anything about that, but I I do know that um, there would be a lot of stuff about that. Um, you would be in the film. I mean, who would, who would you want to play you? Any. Any actors? Or? <laughs> I, I'd, be, I, I'd be very minor in the film. I'm only in there for blast processing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, Al Neal, I only appear twice in the book. Um, you know, it, it, the book is not about uh, product development. Um, that, that book, uh, Ken Hor- Horowitz uh, wrote a book about uh, that. Um, right. That uh, really covers all of the internal, you know, what was Omega, what was this, what was that. He wrote the definitive book on that. But, yeah, I'd be there. Yeah. So if they actually d- 
didn't just make me on a speaker or something. I don't know who I'd want to play me because you have to understand at this point, I'm a pretty giant sized guy. Uh, <laughs> really? I'm a, yeah, I'm a big guy. I don't know. I, I Hopefully I don't have a ponytail at that point like I did at one <laughs> unfortunate point. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, they wouldn't be playing the thin normal version that exists to me now. But um, so I don't know who they'd have to play. I guess they'd probably get like Jonah Hill. <laughs> you know? oh, but the, the heavier Jonah Hill, not yeah. the Jonah Hill. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My- they're amazing stories. Yeah, uh, yeah. The whole blast processing—I'll never live that down. But, <laughs> but I, I, I do love how it's presented in the book because, you yeah. know, uh, you know, Joe Miller never forgave me for that one. But, um, uh, you know, because I, Franz Tadiato, the marketing person, came to me and uh, just said, "Do we have anything that they can't do?" And I said, "Burst mode." And she said, "Oh, burst is horrible sounding. I'll call it blast." Mm. And then she just went away. And next thing I knew, there was a commercial and Joe Miller in my office saying he'd like to speak to me on the balcony. <laughs> so, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, uh, man. I have one other. Uh, well, two. Yeah. Things. Uh, Michael Jackson meeting. That was. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, pretty famous. Uh, Michael Jackson came. Uh, he was with uh, Michael Milken, who had been in jail. Um uh, and had been let out because he had prostate cancer. Mm. Uh, he survived it, went on to found the Milken Foundation. And um, funny enough, I would work with his son, Gregory Milken, later on. Mm. Um, but uh, I'm sitting there and poor, uh, you know, at that point, Michael Milken, you know, I mean, you could tell he was, you know, battling cancer um but he was doing this initiative for children and so that's why michael jackson was there and so they said present all your products Mm. um and so i i i was gonna go last and uh i uh the idea was uh we would present our products and michael would pick one um and uh they would win a signed michael jackson cd oh nice so, so we presented all the products, and uh, I remember Joe saying, I said, well, he said, show Eternal Champions, try and not do any of the violent stuff, <laughs> but, you know, show it. And I kind of had a bead on Michael Jackson because I'm watching the others uh, uh, sort of pitch to him what they're doing and stuff, and he seems very, you know, oddly interested in anything connected to kids. Let's just say mm. some weird foreshadowing there. Mm. And I pick up on this. So when I get to Eternal Champions, I start showing it. But I really focus on telling them how we did the character development and that we did um, testing on all the characters. And we used kids and teenagers. Mm. And I really, you know, butter them up on, yeah, we got the kids. They gave us the vision for the characters. And, and, and then we brought them to life. And, and, and he goes, this one's my favorite. <laughs> And you guys, wow. And and everybody is just turns to me and is so angry because they're like, what, the violent game? The violent fighting game gets Michael Jackson to pitch, you know, and then Joe's like, You're you're an executive producer. You shouldn't even be part able to win this thing. So so to this day, I still have it at my home. You you have a signed Sega, sorry, Michael Jackson CD, an album. Uh Yeah. That's, it, 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 yeah. yeah, it's not really worth anything now for no, obvious reasons. You should have sold. Uh, well, let's not get into <laughs> that realm. But you should have sold it yeah. maybe five years ago. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but 
but yeah, anyway, there's that. And then the last thing was, is uh, I've never, never, we've never talked about this outside of our group, but we, we, there was a guy, um, he was, uh, work with Joe and he was management and he left and um, we were kind of happy because for whatever reason he didn't like omega i think specifically i may have had part of that um, <laughs> as he was a guy that like do it by the numbers and he would work a lot with sega of japan so he'd take a lot of heat from mm. you know with me being you know me um and uh so when he left we took this giant cabinet this black giant cabinet and put it into one of the cubes. I won't say who um, to protect them, but uh, we then built a hidden bar in it. And, wow. uh, and so we actually had a fully working hidden bar, like you could order margaritas. Um, and one of the reasons we did this was um, besides, you know, we had to be responsible. Obviously I wouldn't allow anybody to drink and get in a car or um, drink and lose yeah. their thing. But there was opportunities like on a product launch on a thing um, on a, on a, you know, like when we knew we were going to be working through the night, then everybody would, you know, get their margarita order in or whatever. Uh, but it also meant that the executives would wander over to our building because we always had to go to them, but, you know, have some fine uh, scotch and bourbons and they'll come to you. <laughs> so, so, awesome. so, yeah, so we'd never get away with it nowadays. There'd be no, no way that you could hide a bar. But we, yeah, we, it was called the monolith and it, it was, it, it was undiscovered the whole time. Really? What was your drink of choice at the time, if you could, if I could ask? Oh, boy. Um, well, for a while I didn't drink, but, uh, I think, I think it was weirdly, um, we had some like scotches, like I remember Talisker scotch was really, uh, mm. special. Um, I, I always wanted to go, you know, I wanted to go to the Isle of Skye just because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but our, our the person I, I got to be careful and not slip up and say their name. Yeah, they say a name. They 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 would be very sensitive to this. But uh, they made the best margaritas in the business. Ah. But it'd be so funny because you'd hear blender going, and, <laughs> and 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 people not in the know would go, I swear to God, I just heard a blender. <laughs> no, you're imagining it. <laughs> yeah, worry. totally, totally imagining. Oh, Mike, there's some brilliant stories there. I mean, you could write a book, really, couldn't you? Let's be honest. I, I feel really privileged that you oh, shared it oh. with us today. Thank you. Oh, my I pleasure. I genuinely mean that. It's, it's been so interesting. Um, we're, we're, we're getting close to the end of the interview, but we've, been, we've had a really good chat today. But can I ask, why did you leave Sega in the end? And um, did, was that the end of your career in video games or did you move on to somewhere else afterwards? Yeah, no. Um, so what what happened is, is um, so we transitioned to Sega Soft, um, which is um, Sega Soft is supposed to be. Um, uh, the idea is we're going to do third party games. Yeah. Um, I mean, not third party. We're going to do ports of Sega games on other platforms. That's really what it was supposed to be at first. Sega Japan says comes in and says, nope, not going to happen. Mm. So we're like scrambling. So we start to make other types of software. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still running Omega. I'm running uh, the kids group. And also within the kids group, we've developed um, a group focused on um, female titles. And so we do like virtual makeover with the Cosmopolitan and it like crank sells a million units. Huh. So we're like doing good. We're like hanging in there. Um, and then, um, uh, but, 
it's the company isn't happy in a sense about like we're still kind of pushing to try and figure out how we can get our IP able to be on these multiple platforms. And so eventually what happens is, is they move us out uh, onto an online gaming project um, because the big thing is Doom is the big thing. Quake oh, yeah. is massive. Quake. Mm -hmm. Quake is changing everything. And there's just a couple of online gaming networks. So we create Heat.net. And it's funded um, from the uh, key, key Sega figure. It has some Sega money within it. We're using the building. Um, so it's sort of Sega, sort of not Sega. And I create um, the, the, the whole launch for it. I'm, the, I'm, I'm now vice president uh, uh, of product development. And we get the launch titles. The thing I'm most proud of, I created a, a, a fighting game um, with uh, Dominic Woods' team in the UK, again spending tons of time mm. in the UK, um, and uh, uh, he's in Kingston. And uh, oh, Kingston. yeah, yeah, Kingston, yeah, yeah, Kingston, yeah. And I'm hanging out there, uh, just loving the team. And we create the first uh, Netfighter online fighting game. Oh wow! Um, and uh, and it can even work on dial-up. Oh, wow. that's uh, incredible. <laughs> yeah. And so, well, because I worked out with uh, the, 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 the head developer, Phil and I, we, we figure out, well, if we lose connection, we know the, what the character, we, we kind of predictively decide until the modem can reconnect or the data stream can reconnect to where it's going. So the computer takes over control and then mm. seamlessly can control back to you. And the result was this amazingly playable fighting game. And and to a degree, that technology would be used again and again mm -hmm. um, by uh, fighting games that came later that used online connections. So we were the first. That's a good, you know, feather to your bow, isn't it? A little bit, you know, that's quite, quite yeah. So actually. so so you know, fighting games just constantly are part mm -hmm. of my life throughout yeah, yeah. throughout this entire you know thing. Uh, oh, and so what happens is is. I do not get along with the they bring in a guy to run to be the adult in the room, as they say. Um, <laughs> he's from he's from IBM, never doesn't understand games, doesn't understand, you know, he's buying ridiculous giant super servers, uh, you know, sun micro machine, you know, I mean, sun uh, you know, many uh, uh, servers, I forget the name of them, the, the, the level of servers, but like we're way over buying. I, so we're butting heads constantly. And, uh, you know, so I at that point, he said to me, you know, because um, he he gets out and it's doing good. But it's, 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 you know, it's early, you know, and, and, and that also happens a lot in my career. I always do stuff too early. Um, and, you know, you, 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 you want to be the, you know, Apple's a great example of this is even though they tried to get me fired twice too, but that's the story. <laughs> um, but, um, didn't work for them either. Um, uh, but they, they, they always get the second mover advantage. First mm. mover advantage is not always, and we were doing that first mover advantage, um, and so I, I, you know, he, he's invited myself and, uh, uh, some of the other key people, including, um, you know, the guy I reported to, mm. even though I reported to him, I, I really, you know, reported to the guy who led this project. 
uh, in my mind, uh, mm. and that probably made him angry too. He he essentially invited us to leave, um, mm. and uh, so that was the end of my time, and it was very tough. I mean, I I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay there and 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 make it work out, um, and I had ideas, um, which I'll tell you in a second where I, they I end up with. Um, mm. But just just very funny thing is. Um, this guy really regretted, though, because it turned out, and I, 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 I didn't know this, but the, the other senior guys had negotiated that if we were let go, um, they had to do a year payout on us. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and and so, so suddenly I'm like, what? And, 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 and then, then it gets even better. I'm sitting in his office doing, you know, uh, I, I forget what they call it in HR, but your exit interview. And, yes, and, yes. And his his um, uh, admin comes in and, and she looks like, you know, a relative died or something and whispered in, in, in her ear. And he says, well, evidently you he said you must have had some deal that's still in place. And it turned out I did. I had a deal with Sega where um, I was always uh, problematic to take vacation because I was so critical. Mm. So I took one only one vacation in nine years. That's um, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so my vacation time, uh, my one part was, and this came, I think, around Sonic 2. I said, fine, I'm not, I've, I'll work through, but I get to keep my vacation. So that was written in. Mm. So nine years of vacation uh, uh, adds up to about a year and three months wow. worth of pay. So not only do they have to pay out the year on the contract, but they find out that, that I have a year and three months of pay coming. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, so that's this, amazing. Yeah, so this guy gets lit up <laughs> by his boss that how in the world could he have not known this? And, mm. and why did he pull the trigger on this? Because now it's a complete disaster. Um, they were already under financial difficulty. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that was, that was one of the funniest stories was finding out that I, I literally had all that vacation pay that I completely forgotten about. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to ask how much that was, Michael, but I assume it was, uh, it probably made people in Sega blush a little bit. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, you know, it was, it was, I mean, you know, it, it, because it was through various pay scales in a sense, I mean, it, yeah. it, 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 you know, it, it got better towards the end in a sense. Right. Mm. So it wasn't as much as you would think, but it certainly right, yeah. was, it certainly was a, a nice surprise to me considering <laughs> I was not going to have a job for, well, uh, for a certain amount of time. But it was also, it, the, to be honest, I really, I mean, I had so few people. I was so lucky. I, I got to work with all great people. Mm-hmm. I, I really have only twice in my life had what I would say is bad exper- bad work experiences from the boss level. Mm. And, and so to see just like this little revenge twist that I had to just do nothing and watch this guy just, just <laughs> melt down in front of me. And, yeah. That, you know. How, you know, he literally asked me, he said, would you consider not taking it? Wow. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were pushed. It wasn't like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, exactly. I said, <laughs> I, I, I said, you're essentially firing us. So, uh, yeah, no, I think I'll be taking it. Mm. Well, I don't think anyone can blame you personally. I, 
Yeah. But I mean, it's sad in a way, though, isn't it? That's not how you wanted to leave Sega. I don't no, think. It's, no, yeah. no, it was. I mean, the whole thing was sad because Sega was falling apart anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, it would eventually move to, you know, um, the city and it had good some good people came with it from the original. But then there was a lot of new people and they kind of lost their way there several times. And yeah. and then Sammy of course, came in and, you know, it's hard. I mean, many times I've said openly, you know, uh, to people, and I'm sure it's gotten back to Sega. I said, you know, I would go back tomorrow, mm. um, you you know, and work there. You know, you wouldn't even have to make me in charge of product development. I, I, you know, I'd be open to maybe just doing games, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, you know, I, even though I think I... <laughs> I, I would end up probably, you know, running product development when they weren't looking just because, yeah. you know, and, and probably taking over three or four other jobs, <laughs> you know, also just because that's of my nature. So, yeah, you know, that 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 would I, I, I would love to do that. And I, I, I just don't see them embracing that for anybody. I mean, I don't understand why at Annunciata they never had a discussion with. Even mm. though I, I don't think Ed would want to manage, but why why didn't they go to him and work with him more or or countless others, you know? Well, Sega's a, a really interesting company. There's so much good about it, but obviously things did go <laughs> really badly for them. Um, yeah. But they're still yeah. around, to be fair. They are still around. Yeah, no, and and yeah. and, and and I I had hopes when I saw them ship the mini mm. that okay. You, really executed this better than the other guys did yeah. you, you you kept control of it which was the right thing to do 100%. now 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 you know now now do something now now really set a vision because they they haven't had a clear vision in a long time no like when uh, you think sega yeah. like you know aside from sonic and that's great sonic should be what you think about sega but you got to have something else besides that game-wise that you think about them you know ea is sports you know mm -hmm. what is sega beyond sonic ea is also on uh, lots of online games you know mm. no that's but, true that's you true. know I, i'm saying every every company that is successful in the space you know ha has ha is known for being good at a certain thing not just one thing yeah no i think that's spot on actually uh, I'd love to see Sega come back to where they belong, um, whether that's a brand new console. That may be a bit stretching a bit too far, but I do think there's a, there's a chance they are slowly getting back to their, not old ways, but, you know, like the Sonic movie, for example, that was a big success, wasn't it? They're, they are finding their yeah. feet again a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think what they need now is they need to give Sega of America um, absolute, uh, give them some autonomy. Mm. And let them rebuild a real team there. Yeah, that that's that's my take on it. Is I I, I see I don't know I I can't get in there. I I by the way I am not on top of any of the studios that are doing work for them. Mm. They are doing great work or, or whatever on their own. Not not talking about them. I'm talking about inside the company internal development outside of maybe those studios because those studios are making their independent product their vision doesn't really in some ways, some of it just doesn't jive to Sega, you know, as mm. a brand. Mm. And that's okay, but that's it's kind of confusing. Maybe, and yeah, I, yeah. I just wish they'd say, you know, we're going to go back and use our back library and we're going to make all new modern versions of that. Or else, 
we're not going to do that. We're leaving that retro thing behind, but this is what we're going to be known mm. for. We're going to be, we're going to be the arcade guys and we're going to make all, you know, we're going to revitalize, you know, we're going to treat these next gen platforms like they're arcade machines and we're going to execute new arcade game level executions. They just need a plan, don't they? Like a proper plan, a real like five, 10 year plan. Yeah, so, I yeah, feel yeah. like what happens is, is their studios are independent. The mm. inside is just doing what um, Sega Japan is and Sammy is telling them to do, um, and 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 they're and they're very focused on constantly what we can do with Sonic. Yeah, which and, which is which is good to a degree, but it's not the be all end all, is it? Mm. Absolutely, but you need something else to 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 help support Sonic so that you have time to make the games great. If, mm. if you need an extra year to make that Sonic game perfect, they should get the extra year. But yeah. what do you do in between? Well, there should be other stuff. Mm. Yeah. And, and stuff that complements that audience that plays those games. Well, I, I hope personally, like Speaks Rage 4 kind of could be the kind of um, the blueprint, as in they could revitalize some of the old IPs, like Golden Axe so. and so forth. Yeah, I'd love it. Yeah. I hope so. I, 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 you know, I don't know how they view that project mm. internally. I, I don't know if they view that as a, a success or not. That, yeah. that would be the, the, the big question, you know, that we'll uh, see if it does become the blueprint. Anyway, well, any, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you where I landed. So mm. after that, um, I uh, oddly enough end up at Yahoo as the first outside hire on the management team that oh. are all the original Stanford team. Awesome. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm the, and and I'm the director of entertainment and media there, so I'm a lot more than just games there. So I I run the entertainment group, which is music, movies, TV, chat events, games, of course. Um, and, uh, and what do we do in the games, even though the games group did exist before I got there, but I continued to 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 focus it on um, doing casual gaming. And that's exactly where I would have brought heat, and that's where they tried to go. And we we ended up decimating them over, and it wasn't my wish to decimate them, but we did um, <laughs> oh, oh, uh, through Yahoo Games. Uh, yeah. And then on the media side, I'm running travel, news, weather, sports, and the local verticals. And you may say, well, that's odd. How does the video game guy end up there? But um, they interviewed a bunch of people and I pitched them that one, I had done all these jobs. So mm. I had all this experience that normal game people would, you know, doing operations, doing these things, doing all this stuff, um, you know, being technical and, and, and all these other things. And I pitched to them something that they didn't, um, everybody else was, um, sort of not future looking. And I said, look, all the interactivity that's in gaming is going to come to the, is going to become mm. part of the Yahoo experience. Your, the interactivity is only going to increase in the internet. It's only going to, you know, and I, and I said, you know, I even pitched to them, things are going to get gamified even, yeah. you know, these simple things will get, you know, gamification will come to everything. Um, and, and this kind of blew them away. And, and that's how I ended up being the, that first outside hire and beating all these other guys who were the Stanford grads and, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Harvard grads that were pitching, you know, much more business focused stuff. So, um, yeah, 
Oh, good and, I mean, yeah, he's huge. I think people forget how big it was. Yeah, and, and I, now, I, yeah. I, when I walked in, again, I'm the first outside hire from the core group. They're all Stanford guys that work with each other. I mean, that went to school with each other. And, and I'm employee 300. <laughs> and, you know, and then I wake up and there's like 1500 of us, um, you know, and again, just writing up the thing. Yeah. People forget that Yahoo was before Yahoo was Google before the, you know, Google yeah. existed. And yeah. and we did all kinds of stuff. You know, there was the instant messenger and all the mail. And and and, and I, of course, was everywhere. I had my fingers stuck in everything. <laughs> And and I, I I had to you know I I, I worked on uh, of course all the cutting edge stuff so when they you know uh, unfortunately acquired broadcast.com I got you know uh, had to work with Mark Cuban on that and that that was a difficult go but uh, mm. um, but but like we brought over radio and uh, you know TV and all of these things and, and they were so future looking and again just broke my heart when there was a shift in management there and they just you know uh, w- went the other way you know yeah and and there was an opportunity even they could even bought Google they the the guys came in and were looking you know at that time they weren't going to necessarily do their own thing you you say to oh Michael I'll tell you that <laughs> yeah so 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 anyway uh, you know um I, I I did uh by the way before I took the Yahoo job I did have my own company so I did do games one more time um mm. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I had a company called Boat Drinks. Uh, it's a play on uh, uh, things mobsters say to each other. It's their version of heaven. Mm. Uh, in uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead, the movie. Um, and I did uh, the uh, sequel to Asteroids, um, uh, and that uh, did uh, that did quite well for Activision. The current Activision, not my original Activision, but Bobby's yeah. Activision. Um, and then uh, I worked on X-Men, um, but unfortunately there was a developer changed and then they changed the design. Uh, but they kept some elements of some stuff I did. So I, I, I was working on games and thought I'd be working on games when the Yahoo opportunity came along. And, and that sort of diverted me. And then I took a bunch of time to travel the world. Um, and uh, uh, worked on, uh, uh, you know, some odd projects here or there, like a friend of mine and I saw the future of um, how to send large attachments. Um, mm. uh, you know, uh, you can't send them through mail. How do you do that? And we had a thing called heavy mail, um, which could have totally worked and a competitor beat it to us, beat oh. us first made a ton of money on that and uh and then my last thing that i did probably of most recent is i worked for a company called uh well they started out as uh last legion games um mm. and then they became alt ego and they had a digital avatar system um that they just didn't know what to do with and so i came in and worked on uh i ran uh about 16 employees there um, we did Facebook games at first, so I did the Golden Nugget Facebook game, mm. uh, working with Golden Nugget, um, and then uh, we uh, I, I, I decided that we could use Twitter's Twitter, we could game over Twitter, 
no one had tried that yet. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And we got this idea that, and we were going to work with Riot Games. They actually wanted to work with us with League of Legends, where you'd be able to battle over Twitter. Oh, sounds uh, amazing. Yeah, and we and and it was great. And but it was you know a very expensive studio, and and we just didn't have enough runway. And uh, it was it was tough because we were trying you know um, like when we did the Facebook stuff. Uh, by the time we got there, Facebook pulled the rug and you weren't making money. And mm. the people we were working with, like we built this thing for this Diamond Resorts, which was a timeshare company. And they're like, OK, well, go go get us people, uh, you know, uh, go advertise for us and make this game successful. And we're mm. like, no, this is your game. You're you're supposed to advertise it and you're supposed <laughs> to be successful. Um, so stuff like that. Um, so I finished there and then I've just been doing you know personal projects and stuff since then and you know i'm staying you know doing my best to stay covid free and self-teaching good on you you know what to do next uh i've really michael i've really enjoyed this interview and i want to say thank you properly i mean uh, i know you listen to our podcast and i feel like and we're lucky to have you because i know that you don't always do a lot of interviews uh yeah yeah. by voice no uh i'll i'll do written interviews and even then i'm i'm notorious you've read my game design and and i'm sure you you're dealing with the 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 grammar hit and the punctuation hit that you must have taken from reading that. Um, So even on my written ones, I'm pretty slow because uh, I usually will like beg one of my friends, like um, my friend Julie, who I work with at Altigo to edit me. So I I sound (laughs) like I know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, it is rare that I do talk. It means a lot. And I know our listeners are going to love this. And um, I just love hearing a proper truthful insight into sega it's been so fascinating um really do appreciate it thank you and and i know you always end with uh, your question about I was who gonna, you yeah when, uh, yeah. yeah the final that's, question that's, just to that's, finish that's off. my favorite part by the way i love that <laughs> We've and, had and, great and, answers. And, and, and i got to answer it once in the written you one. did so you can change your answer you're welcome to change it at all. i am i am going to change but i still stand by earthworm jim is is one of the best fully yeah. realized original characters i think I, I i just i i think you know having seen it again on the sega mini uh yeah. man it stands up it does it does well yeah, the question if, if anyone's well people listen to the podcast i think they know what it is but basically if you could have, share a few drinks of any video game character who would you choose and why and you originally did say Earthworm Jim it's a great choice uh, but have you got another answer yes I have another answer I'm going to cheat a little here just I'm going to give you two answers but there's yeah. really the one I, 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 my old school answer just because I was getting ready for this I had to kind of just write some notes so I wouldn't lose my place and I was thinking about you know, like the arcades you know like would I pick an old arcade character mm. and I and my and I thought yeah I would pick Star Castle the actual ship because oh. the crew must have been pretty fun to hang out with but That's uh, a good, yeah yeah yeah, I adored Star Castle. That that game blew my mind. The idea of vector graphics and the way that that was designed and the shielding system and just everything about that, I just uh, I just loved it. Oh, that's a good answer. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah I'd like to like you know, I just would like to believe what was going on in the ship there. Like there was a whole <laughs> crew and they, they 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 had a good time when they weren't trying to you know survive there. 100%. Um, but the new school answer would be um, Agent Forty Seven from Hitman. Oh, yeah, of course. 
So <laughs> that, 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 that has to match my kind of personality to why I'm so bonded to Larson, to why I, I, I like the kind of mobster hitman, you know, and especially a modern mm. sleek take on a hitman. Um, I, I just live for that. So, I mean, even Shadow, I mean, you know, when I decided Shadow as an assassin and uh, as a hit person, I, I mean, you can just see it all through, mm. you know, I, I love that. And so Agent 47 for sure would be so interesting. You know, hopefully I wouldn't be taken out after <laughs> drinks. That would be my, my only concern. I'd have to I'd have to bring security. Of Not course, that it's yeah. the matter. You'd probably kill them. And me, but, <laughs> but but yeah, Agent 47 for sure. Oh, Michael, that's a brilliant, both brilliant answers. Look, like I said, really appreciate your time today. It's been an excellent interview. I generally mean that. And uh, yeah, thank well, you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. And you guys keep it up. I mean, I, I, I love when like on a rare occasion, you'll give me a, a Twitter shout out <laughs> <laughs> to pull me into some mess of a, a conversation, which is funny. I love it when when people do that, because I, I, I think they're always shocked that I respond. And yeah. I love and, and and I think I think you guys were shocked that I listened. Of course I listened because yeah, because I, I think Rob famously said, "Oh, Michael won't listen anyway. It doesn't matter." And it was like, actually, <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said actually, yeah. I came right on. And it was brilliant. Immediately said, yeah, I do listen. Yeah. And there's no malice, my, you know. There's no malice intended. We like hearing your opinion, and you know, we. Oh we don't, no, no. Yeah. I I I loved it, and I don't blame. I mean, you know, there's there's so much to listen to. It's mm. it's hard to get around to everything, but 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 you guys, uh, 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 I've always had a soft spot and I, I i always do my best to make time and if i not i catch up so yeah if occasion i if 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 i somehow do get a mention and, and i don't respond right away it means i'm just behind on my podcast <laughs> I, do, I do get around to them oh you're such a oh, what a lovely thing to say that, that's pretty made my day actually i generally mean that um we'll say goodbye then michael it's been a real bumper episode it's been really interesting and you never know we could do this again in the future possibly yeah yeah, my my pleasure. I'm I'm certainly if if you you know want to drill down on mm. something, I I do get a lot of people who will back channel to me about um, you know uh, the Ken at Sega 16, mm. you know literally has a bat line to me that he picks up all the time and says, mm. do you know you know who was involved with this? What is the backstory on this? You know, who should I really contact on this? Do you know the truth about this? Because mo because of, you know, because I was being stretched across all these roles, there probably isn't anything that I was didn't have a little mm. finger in, even though, you know, it, it may be an, an NCS products. I would know exactly a lot about the product because, you know, I would have known about it being in test. I would have played it myself, you know, to help the testers. I, I, I you know, I would have heard Ed talking about when, you know, he got the idea to create it. I, you know, I know Ed, so, mm. you know, even though he notoriously talk about not doing interviews. He's the hardest one to land. Um, he's doing more recently. Um, mm. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so Ed, uh, you know, I, 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 I would be glad uh, to either come back or if you guys need any help, um, you know, just contact me and I'll, I'll tell mm. you what I know about the story. You legend. Okay, Michael, you've been such an honor. Thank you so much. Okay, it's my great pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. 
Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10s, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.